Late seating seven, this is control. Do you read? Roger that, control. Listen, Steve, we're going to need you to turn the capsule and try to maintain a zero-degree angle for re-entry. I was cleared for seven orbits. Is there something wrong? No, 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 no. Of course, don't be. How could there be anything? Everything is... Uh, is A-O- No. Are you short? Because you sound a little upset. Me? Upset? No. You're just going to come back a little early, which is totally normal, and not because we think your heat shield is damaged and you're going to burn to death in re-entry. I'm going to burn to death on re-entry? I said no, didn't I? Hey, I know. Let's forget about all this talk about burning alive inside a metal can and uh, uh, review a movie instead. You want to review a movie now? Sure. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to review another one. Oh, God, what am I going to tell your wife? (laughs) Damn you, space program. Damn you to hell. You've killed my best friend. But is everything all right? Perfectly. Now let's review us a movie. I did not do anything wrong! The hatch just blew! It was a glitch! It was a a technical malfunction! Hello everybody and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good, isn't it, Steve? It is. We've been on quite a uh, a hot streak lately of reviewing movies that have excellent reps. Now that you've said it out loud. Oh, shit. I jinxed the no-hitter, didn't I? Yeah, uh, there's gonna be a comeuppance. You never mention the no-hitter while you're throwing a no-hitter. That's the... That's ugh. right. You kid, No one's supposed to talk about Damn. it. Damn. That's my fault. I apologize. What movie are we going to review now that we know we're doomed? We're going to review, uh-oh, uh-oh, the right stuff. <laughs> I hate you. I fucking hate you. You say it straight this time, but don't you do a boy band. We're going to review that classic 1983 American historical epic, The Right Stuff. Yay, The Right Stuff, about astronauts. Yeah. And and magic aborigine dudes. Yeah, and test pilots. <laughs> So, Steve, before we get into all the astronaut stuff, because yep. this movie is well over three hours long, Woo! and we we need to make sure that we cut some time out of this review and also rope it in, because we can wind up talking about this movie for a long time. Yeah, this, um, this could be our first <laughs> six-hour episode. Between Steve's knowledge of the early space program and my early knowledge of the, my knowledge of the early space program and military planes in general, yeah. this could wind up being a really long show. So we're going to nip that in the bud trivia hit me okay go for it all right so uh unlike most of his other castmates in the film scott glenn who plays alan shepherd decided not to meet with the real alan shepherd uh why be- well i don't know i think he he wanted to get a sense of the character from the script and from talking to other people but even yeah. though he chose not to meet with the real guy when the real alan shepherd saw the movie he contacted philip kaufman the director and said that glenn's performance as him was spot on and the only wow. major inaccuracy was that Scott Glenn was much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a stand-up dude. That's a classy guy, right? Um, also, Sam Shepard, who plays Chuck Yeager, was afraid of flying. Yes. Um, and this is just a super nerdy piece that I felt like I needed to wedge in here. Uh, the name of the of the legendary bar at Edwards Air Force Base, where all the test pilots hang out, Poncho's Happy Bottom Riding Club, is also the unofficial name of uh, the Enterprise E's equivalent of 10 Forward. Although that's never actually mentioned on screen, and it's only mentioned in several of the 
novels. And there is also apparently an establishment on Deep Space Nine called the Happy Bottom Riding Club. Again, never mentioned on screen, but that listing is visible on the Promenade directory. So there's your Star Trek Right Stuff connection. Wow. Yeah. I'd rather go to Pancho's than go to Ten Ford any day of the goddamn week. <laughs> I know, right? Pancho's has characters. Ten Ford is the most boring fucking... <laughs> Well, especially the, the most interesting. Oh, look, the most interesting. I'm in a Renata lounge in space. <laughs> the most interesting Great. thing about Ten Forward is Guinan, and she's not even there most of the time. Exactly, it's some other nameless dude. Yeah, where the fuck is Guinan? Anyway, here's my <laughs> trivia. My trivia is, is that Sam Shepard, um, and the director thought that Sam Shepard um, and uh, Chuck Yeager were not going to get along because they were very, very different people. And Sam Shepard really didn't like to play by the rules and all that other stuff. Right. And a lot of these actors went up in airplanes with Yeager flying them. And it turned out Sam Shepard and Chuck Yeager wound up having a fairly close friendship. And the director feels it's because Sam didn't really know his father because his father was in the Air Force. Oh. And that they would, you know, he started noticing them being becoming closer and closer and staying up all night playing pool and just basically getting chummy. So there's that. Also, Sam Shepard is well over six feet tall, as are most of the actors mm -hmm. in this movie. And not a single Mercury 7 astronaut could be taller than 5'11". They yep. had wiggle room for all of the requirements to become a Mercury 7 astronaut, except that one, because they had to be able to fit into the goddamn pod. <laughs> now, I can attest to that because there is a recreation of one of those pods at one of our local museums over here mm -hmm. that you can actually climb into, and I'll never fucking do that again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the quarters are just unimaginably tight in space. Even in, like, modern spacecraft, like, which mm -hmm. are way roomier than those Mercury capsules, it's, still, it's, a, it's amazing how, how little space there is. Okay, you ready to find out who made this song of bitch movie yeah. about super flawed people <laughs> flying in space? Let's talk about the who made it. Okay, it was directed by Philip Kaufman. And he's also directed Invasion of the Body Snatchers and The Unbearable Likeness of Being. Produced by Erwin Winkler, who is, uh, oh boy, he's produced a lot of your favorite films, guys, including Rocky, mm -hmm. Raging Bull, Goodfellas, and uh, his latest one is Creed Two. Yeah. Because he also produced Creed. Um, and the other producer is Robert Chardoff. He's basically a producing partner with Erwin Winkler, so they have almost the same credits. <laughs> Screenplay by Philip Kaufman and Jose Wales. No, I'm sorry, not Jose Wales. That's my reference. Philip Kaufman also wrote another screenplay, uh, The Outlaw Josie, Josie Wales. Wales. Yeah. <laughs> Which I wrote Jose Wales and then said Jose Wales as if it was a person because my mind is going. That's, everybody, that's the remake. The remake is the the, the with uh, a, a a Hispanic Jose. El Wales. bendito Jose Wales. El bendito Jose Wales. Based on The Right Stuff by Tom Wolfe. And Tom Wolfe a, was a fairly popular writer. Yeah. There were a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was, and he always wore a white suit. He was a dapper dandy. He was. He was a dandy. <laughs> Starring, and we're going to be here for a while, guys. So <laughs> it's quite a cast. In. <laughs> it's quite a long cast. And if you're like, hey, how come Jason doesn't have all of the stuff they did? Um, because if I did that for all oh, of these people, we, that would be the rest of the review. Yeah, so, for real. Here we go. Fred Ward is Virgil I. Gus Grissom. You know him from Tremors and True Detective. Mm -hmm. Dennis Quaid as Gordon Cooper. Do I need to tell you? <laughs> no good. Ed Harris is John Glenn. Again, I don't need to stop it. Scott Glenn is Alan Shepard. You know him as Stick from Daredevil. Yeah. 
Uh, Sam Shepard. It's Chuck Yeager. Sam Shepard, you've seen all over the place as well, but he's also very well known, and I know him better as a playwright. Yep. Um, so if you want to find any of his works, just type Sam Shepard in there. You'll see his laundry list of stuff. He worked a lot in San Francisco at the Magic Theater, and so I, I performed on that stage. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not to make a big deal out of it, but no, 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 biggie. Lance Henriksen as Walter Wally Shara. You know who he is. He's he's Bishop from Alien. That's right. He's the other police officer that dies in Terminator. He's he's been all over the place. He makes a lot of shit. Um, he does. I'm sorry, <laughs> he, Lance. He does. You do. You make a lot of. Garbage. He doesn't say no too often. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Scott Paulin is Donald K. Deke Slayton. Barbara Hershey is Glennis Yeager. You'll know her from other movies. She was inside. I can't remember. Was she in Black Swan? I think I she was. Yeah, was she her. was. She was the mother in Black Swan. And of course, she was also uh, Mary Magdalene in Last Temptation of Christ. Right. Veronica Cartwright as Betty Grissom, and you'll know her from Alien. <laughs> yep. Right, Steve. Oh yeah. And who is she the sister of? I have no idea. Again? I have no idea. Penny from Austin's face? Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I was going to Okay. I was going to say one of the you boys. Didn't commit I was going to memory. I was going to say one of the Cartwright <laughs> boys from Bonanza. Jane Dornacker as Nurse Merch. Now, Jane Dornacker was a musician and a uh, kind of a comedian and also an actress as evidenced here. Mm. Um I know her because she was the traffic lady on the radio with the other person that I've mentioned in a previous review, uh Dr. Donald D. Rose. Oh wow. And yeah, um fortunately she died in a helicopter crash in nineteen eighty six. She actually had two helicopter crashes that same year. So she died a little couple of years after this movie came out. Mm. She was, you know, she was well known. Yeah. Now I'm sad. Aww. And nostalgic. Is that weird? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm nostalgic for my sadness when I found out. <clears throat> Harry Shearer and Jeff Goldblum as the NASA recruiters. You know Harry Shearer. He's the voice of half the people on The Simpsons. <laughs> yep. And if I have to tell you who Jeff Goldblum is, just stop listening. <laughs> Go see other movies, please. <laughs> Kim Stanley as Poncho Barnes. Um, she was the untitled narrator of Old Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird. Ah, there you go. Pamela Reed as Trudy Cooper. You, a lot of these people you recognize from other stuff, guys, so yeah. don't... I mean, like TV and yeah. stuff. A lot of TV. Yeah, Pamela Reed's been in a bunch of stuff. Charles Frank as Scott Carpenter. Donald Moffat, we've mentioned at least twice, mm -hmm. so I don't have to remember it, but he was in the thing. As Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> Levon Helm as Jack Ridley, and he's also the narrator. Um, he was in Coal Miner's Daughter, but he's mostly known for being a musician. He was yeah. in the band. He was, you know... Um, Mary Jo Dachanel as Annie Glenn. She really didn't do a whole lot, right? No, she I, was in a couple of other movies. Yeah, I think this might have been her first film, actually. Yeah, yeah. and she was in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, Scott Wilson as Scott Crossfield. And you'll know him as, I think, Walter from The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. The old man with the beard gets his head cut off. <laughs> Kathy Baker is Louise Shepard. You'll know her from, what was it, Picket Fences? Picket Fences, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Mickey Crocker as Marge Slayton. Susan Case as Renee Carpenter. Mitty Smith as Joe Shara. Royal Dano as Minister. Now, I'm going to stop for Royal Dano. He doesn't have a whole lot of lines in this, but he's one of my favorite actors. Every time he's in something, I love him to death. And Royal, oh God, Royal has more acting credits than I yeah. can 
possibly ever name. Um, you'll recognize him the moment you see him. He's kind of a lanky, lunky, kind of, you know, tall, drink-of-water old man. Um, and he's also the voice of Mr. Lincoln in uh, the Night of the Theater with Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland, I think is what they call it. A night with Mr. Lincoln, not a light night in the theater. That's awful. <laughs> what am I thinking? Well, gotta go. <laughs> Well, it looks like my, my ride's here. Put my hat on. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. David Clennon as a liaison man. Scott Beach as totally not Werner Von Braun. <laughs> yes, officially uh, officially not Werner Von Braun. Unofficially, that's got to be Werner Von Braun. That's Werner right? Von Braun. <laughs> <laughs> John P. Ryan is the big dick that I hate. I hate him so much. Oh, he's so great, though, as as the dick. I know. As the head of the Manned Space Program, and um, you'll recognize him. He's done TV movies all over the place, usually playing a jerk. Yeah. He's really good at oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, Eric Severide as himself, which is a little weird, considering then he's a bit older. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> been he's 20 years older than he was, yeah. <laughs> He's propped up. He's so old. He's like, ah, what am I doing? Oh, I've gone back in time. I'm doing the, I'm the Mercury program again. <laughs> What's happening? William Russ as Slick Goodlin. Robert Beer as President Dwight D. Eisenhower. I have no idea who did uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower's voice because it's not mentioned oh, here. It was, but uh, it was obviously somebody. It was Kevin Pollack. No one. Yes, I swear to God, look it up. It was Kevin Pollack who did the voice, who looped the 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 dialogue of President Eisenhower. Didn't do a good job. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, I'm not sure exactly what he was going for, but yeah. <laughs> Peggy Davis as Sally Rand. John Denner as Henry Luce. Royal Groans as the first X One pilot. Brigadier General Chuck. Holy shit! I would love to meet him. Jaeger, yep. United States Air Force, retired as Fred the bartender. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about Chuck Yeager. Anyway, know, right? uh, Anthony Anthony Munoz as Gonzalez. And Anthony Munoz is considered one of the best football players of all time. And, I did not uh, know that. They snagged him for this. Yeah, they snagged him for this movie. And David Gulpilil. Gul, Gulpilil. Guys, give me, just give me a second, okay? This is my first Aboriginal name. David Gulpilil, I think is how you say it. Yeah. As Aboriginal Man. Thanks for giving him a name, guys. He has lines and everything. I know, he even has dialogue. <laughs> music by Bill Conti. And you'll recognize his musical work from Rocky. Yeah, pretty much everything from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> yeah, Rocky, he's the one that wrote Gotta Fly Now, you know, that yeah. thing. We'll get around to it when we do Rocky this year. Yeah. Because we're going to do Rocky this oh, year. Oh, yeah. We're make sure we do Rocky this year. Because we there's we have not Stallone'd anything. We, Stallone has not appeared yet. We got we are we have a big Stallone deficit in our. We are we our... are seriously under Stallone'd <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Cinematography by Caleb Deschanel. Um, he's still working now, and his last movie is The Lion King, the live action. I'm sorry, the CGI Lion King that's coming <laughs> the, out. The quote live action unquote Lion yeah. King. Edited. Now, I'm going to cut this movie a little bit of slack. Remember what we've said in the past. If you have more than one one or two editors, it means the film has a problem. This one has five. Five credited and editors, yes. Five credited editors. Glenn Farr, Lisa Fruchtman, who also edited Captain EO, St uh, <laughs> Stephen A. Rotter, Douglas Stewart, and Tom Wolfe. Now, the reason why they had five editors was because those other editors were off finding. Um, there's a lot of 
archival footage in this movie. Yeah. A lot yeah. of it. And so they were tasked with not only finding it, but also editing together the sequences for the number of newsreels, the stuff when we go to Russia. They interject some some of the shots that were that NASA took during, I believe, uh, um, the first Mercury 7 launch. Some of that stuff mm-hmm. is in there. Um, so they had a lot of work to do. So it wasn't like they had five people all fighting with each other in the editing booth. <laughs> the other guys had stuff to do. Yeah. Production company, the Lad Company, and you're going to find out why the Lad Company went out of business after in a bit because we're going <laughs> to we're getting close to the end part, and the end part is all about the money. Yeah. Distributed by Warner Brothers, release date February seventeenth, nineteen eighty four. That's when it opened wide. Yeah. Running time one hundred and ninety two minutes. Budget twenty seven million. Adjusted for inflation sixty five million dollars. Box office twenty one point one million or fifty million dollars. Hmm. So it didn't make its money back. And the Lad Company, after a couple other failures, went burr, 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 <laughs> and went under. And that's why we never got the right stuff too. That's right. The Police Academy movie that came out didn't save them. <laughs> Which I mean, shocking. Who would have thought? Now, this movie was a massive critical success. Critics loved it. But for whatever reason, no one went to go see the damn thing. And I don't know why, because it is one of the best movies ever made, right? Oh, for sure. Not just one of the best historical astronaut movies ever made, but probably one of the best movies ever made, or at least one of the best movies made in the last 50 years. So, you know what? American audience, I hate you. Go, would you stop it? (laughs) For whatever reason, I guess people... You watch some jack-off in a hat pretend to hit Nazis for an hour and a half, (laughs) but you won't watch actual real goddamn heroes, would you? For for whatever reason, audiences in 1983 and 84 just weren't interested in going to see a three-hour epic (laughs) about obscure figures in the American space program. I want to wonder. Oh, that one didn't make any money either. I can't reference. What were you going to reference? I was going to reference Blade Runner, but that. Oh yeah, that didn't make any money either. Yeah. (laughs) Damn, early '80s American movie audiences. What the hell was your problem? (laughs) Oh, you sure you'd watch a a guy in a loincloth and a sword who barely speaks English chop people (laughs) in half and fuck witches? (laughs) They they had a very peculiar sense of taste back then. That's all. (laughs) All right, Steve, you ready? Let's do it. All right, strap in. All right. All right, come on. Okay. I hope you went to the bathroom. Oh, oh actually, can I? I, has, I <laughs> Too bad. Oh, damn. <laughs> Strapping you in. And then we're bolting you in. <laughs> and then you're leaving me on top of this missile all by myself <laughs> for hours. <laughs> That's right. And let's get ready to rocket into the world of the right stuff. Yeah. Steve, take it away. There was a demon what? that lived in the air. <laughs> in the thin air. <laughs> and they said whoever challenged him would die. That's my. That's how this movie that's starts. That's my Levon Helm impersonation. I, that's your Levon Helm. I can't sing like Levon, but I can talk like him. Um, <laughs> you th- I was like, when I first watched this in the theaters, I was like, what? There's a demon? <laughs> yeah. The demon is the sound. He speaks to me at night and tells me to do things that I don't like. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Why do I have to wear so many women's underwear at one time, demon? <laughs> I don't like it, demon. 
Um, anyway, this is the this is the opening narration of the film, which we hear over uh, footage of of clouds rushing by in the sky, and uh, the narrator talks about how that the demon's name is the sound. Yeah, barrier. there's a demon that lives behind a barrier that they said no man could ever pass, which is the sound barrier, and we find ourselves. Yeah, I remember that demon from Dante's Inferno. Yeah, that was the the sound barrier demon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't get too close to him. He makes quite a, a loud noise. When <laughs> he you, makes a huge uh, noise. So we find ourselves in, uh, it, it, it's eventually established via on-screen title that it's 1947. And it's all black and, and it's white. And it's all black and, and white. It's all, it's all uh, cropped to standard format. Right. Four by three. Right. And and we see um, footage of, of, of a, a nameless test pilot uh, mm-hmm. piloting a, a, an experimental craft that we're told is the X-1, if we didn't know that already. And that was the yeah. plane that they built to break the sound barrier. And we get some footage from that from a test flight that isn't successful, (laughs) where the guy, the pilot gets close to Mach 1, which is the sound barrier, uh, but he doesn't quite make it. And he goes out of control and he crashes and he and he dies and he dies. And his wife wakes up and then the creepy preacher from Poltergeist 2 comes up and tells us bad news. The specter of death. He comes up, and then we go to a funeral, don't we? Yeah, where the specter of death is singing the uh, the arm yeah. for, the arm forces him. Yeah, yeah. and the, then the jet planes fly over yeah. as they do, and then um, what the their formation is is that it'll be four planes, and one then takes off up into up into the sky, right. and the other ones keep flying on. It's highly symbolic, and if you're a, a flight nerd like me. Do you think it's probably the most moving thing? Yeah, it's it when you when you think about what it means, it's a really beautiful bit of like air choreography. Yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, now we're in a cowboy movie. <laughs> yeah, apparently, we see a dude. He's riding a cat. He's riding his horse, and he comes over a ridge. And just like in all cowboy movies, he, he sees a, a great big orange spaceship. <laughs> Flash Gordon's parked spaceship. And he takes a look at it, and what that actually is, is Chuck Yeager on a horse yeah. taking a look at um, the X-1. Right. And the X-1 was painted bright orange. And if you want to see it for yourself, you can go to the Smithsonian. Yes, yes. The actual Chuck Yeager, the glamorous Glennis, that, yeah, it's, it's actually in the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. It's quite an experience to stand in the presence of that aircraft. <laughs> You never got to touch it? Um, no, I don't think I ever, I've ever, no. Uh, it was hanging when, it's, you, when yeah, you... Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think they, I've never been there when it was, like, on the ground. It's But, yeah, it's ha- it's okay. hanging right, I mean, when you go into the Air and Space Museum, it's like that and the Spirit of St. Louis, and you're like, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Anyway, he sees it, and um, in case we haven't mentioned it yet, it's going to come up. Uh, Chuck Yeager is a soft-spoken badass with huge balls and coolant for blood. Yeah, as near as <laughs> pretty can much. Tell. Yeah, impossible to rattle. Yes. Yeah. So he takes a look at the ship, and then he rides off to Poncho's Happy Bottom Riding Club. Yep. And uh, he goes in, and then we find out that him and his wife... Okay, so there's a guy that they're trying to talk in to fly the next X-1. Right. And he's like, nope, you can't give me enough money. I don't know. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And so then they go to Jaeger, and they say, will you do it? And he's like, of course I will. <laughs> yeah. And he, he doesn't even ask for any extra money. No, because he's getting paid two hundred dollars a <laughs> 200, month or something. Two hundred and some dollars a month. Yeah, he's like, I'll do it. And then he goes, walks up to a bar, and we find out that him and his wife play weird role play <laughs> games in public. <laughs> yes, 
hey, it works for them. They seem to have a very healthy relationship. Apparently, the, the role-play game that gets them really excited is they pretend like they don't know each other. He unsuccessfully hits on her. <laughs> then she rides away on a horse, and he chases her on a horse, right? Yep, that's it. We also find out that Pancho's has a wall of pictures of pilots that have died. Yes. And we haven't mentioned where we are where we are yet. Have no, we? we are in Edwards Air Force Base in That's in right. the high desert of California, where I've been to twice. Look at you. <laughs> My dad was in the Air Force. Well, that, there's that's a very, there's a very good reason then. Um, <laughs> you got to come to California and show all these neat places that you never get to see. Steve. I would love to, and then you'll have to drag me away from Edwards all Air Force. All you have Base. when you look out your window a bunch of Civil War corpses. I know, and like, come on, they they've never been to space. They've never even flown in planes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so there he's chasing her, and he then he gets hit by a branch and he falls over, and oh, he's got broken ribs. It's, I mean, and that that bump he takes off that horse, it looks like it killed him. Like that's yeah, a like nasty look looking like stunt, him. but he just gets some cracked ribs out of it. So yeah, yeah. but he's got a history making flight for tomorrow. That's right. So he comes in and he tells Ridley, who is his friend and also the narrator of this movie, yeah. he's like, Ridley, I broke, I'm I'm busted up. Can you rig something so that I can make sure to close the hatch when I get into the ship because I'm flying anyway? Yeah, he says, don't tell anybody because I don't want them yeah. to take me off the flight. He wants to do the flight that badly. And yeah, he needs something to wang the door, yeah. the latch closed. So, so Ridley so, goes and he steals the handle from a hardworking janitor. Yeah, he just, he ruins a broom. He ruins a broom. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And so now we get a, and so uh, they get a big bomber. The the X one is nestled under the underside of a bomber. They don't have a takeoff from the ground. Right. And uh, Jaeger climbs in. Asks, okay, so we're, this happens a few times. Right before he's about to do something really, really dangerous and badass, Jaeger <laughs> always asks Ridley for a for a stick of beavins. Right, right. Right. He always asks, "Do you got any beavins?" Which is a kind of gum. Yeah, it's the lucky and, pilot gum. Yeah. In fact, when we first started our Skype call, I I said to Steve, "Hey, Steve." got any beavers <laughs> and i gave the proper response which is i think that's i right. might have me a stick so when the end times come that's how steve and i are going to be able to recognize each other when we're talking over walkie talkies <laughs> that'll be our call sign exactly <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh so he gets into the thing he wangs the thing closed the, the ship takes off and uh he dies in an explosion <laughs> yep no, he- <laughs> sorry Everyone's looking up. He's going faster and faster and faster and faster. And uh, he... Oh, here's some trivia. You ready? Yeah. Okay, so you know how when they show the shot of the X1 and it's going faster and faster and, the, and the, it's shaking, they're showing the cavitation as it's moving faster yeah, yeah, and faster? Yeah. They got that effect by holding a woman's vibrator up to the lens of the, of the movie camera. <laughs> <laughs> Eat your heart out, J.J. Abrams. There's some practical <laughs> effects for you. Uh-huh. Um, so they're all looking and then all of a sudden they hear an explosion. Yeah. And they think and they, like, they oh, think the worst, obviously. Yeah, of course. But then it turns out all he did was break the sound barrier. No one knew that the sound barrier explodes when yeah, you break they'd it. They'd never heard a sonic boom before. Uh-huh. Yeah. The first sign that our own atmosphere is angry at us is... <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're like, yay. Meanwhile, Jaeger's up there and he starts hallucinating a little bit. He just hallucinates just a little bit, right, Steve? Yeah, he starts, it's like, kind of like a, a tunnel, a tunnel kind of swirly thing in the sky, yeah. He's got a huge blind spot right in the front, it's weird. Hmm. 
Anyway, yay! <laughs> and he comes back, and the government tells the reporters you can't tell anybody about it, which is true. They had to wait a year before they announced yeah. it. And in real life, he won a bunch of awards and all that stuff. That's not why Jaeger does it. No, he does it just to do it. Yeah, because that's who he is. Yeah. Anyway, now we jump from 1947, which is when we're at, to 1953, and we see a car, and who's in the car, It's Steve? Gordo Cooper. And his long-suffering wife, Trudy. Yes. <laughs> they are moving to Edwards from, I guess, Langley was the last place that mm -hmm. they were, and yeah, yeah, he's trying to work his way on up to the top of the pyramid. And Trudy's kind of done. Yeah. She's kind of getting tired of being a test pilot's wife. Yeah. But he says everything's going to be okay. And then he says something that is repeated at least three times in the movie. <laughs> in which he says, hey, honey, who's the best pilot you ever saw? And what she say? <laughs> she, well, the, the, the proper answer she is... Never she, does, she never does, sick of it. She never actually <laughs> says... Well, she says kind of jokingly the second time. But yeah, the proper answer is, you're looking at him. Yuck, 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 yuck. Anyway, they get to the house, and the base housing has all the amenities, Steve. Brown water and lights that don't work. Oh, and planes that crash on at noon every single day. <laughs> it's like the worst episode of House Hunters ever. <laughs> because there is no other house. This is where you have to live. You have right. no choice. So now we have another funeral. And after the funeral, everyone goes to Pancho's, where we meet another Peckerwood, <laughs> uh, Gus Grissom. That's right. And Gus and Gordo know each other. And also there's another uh, guy there, and that's Deke Slayton. Right, having a little He's argument with his wife. About how his, she's miserable, and they're stuck out in the middle of the desert, and the housing sucks. And she has a, a, her, jo her husband's job is um, so stupidly dangerous <laughs> that she can't stand it. Cut to a barbecue yeah. where Slayton, Grissom, and Cooper all stifle boners while watching Jaeger play catch with his kids in another yard. Yeah. <laughs> they, three over. they just so happen to be neighbors <laughs> with Jaeger. Yeah. And they're all like, he's at the top of the pyramid. We're going to get up to the top of the pyramid. What was he thinking? Whoa. <laughs> Inside the house, the wives' lives suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like, it's weird how our husbands are going to die, right? Uh -huh, it's terrible. Yeah. But Betty, Betty Grissom thinks the military will make it up to her. Yes. Uh, uh, uh. Guess what, Betty? <laughs> don't get too attached to that dream, Betty. I know your future, Betty. It just gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> you think becoming known as squirming, squirming hat, Mrs. Squirming Hatchblower is bad? Ooh. Betty, if only that was where it stopped. <sighs> yeah. She, they all, they call their, they call men assholes. They have a laugh at that, but Judy's done. Yeah. And she sees Gordo holds up a hot dog that's on fire. <laughs> and that's his nickname, Hot Dog. Yeah. And she's like, I'm done. I'm out. Right. I'm leaving. She's going back to her, to her folks in San Diego. That's right. And now, Crossfield makes Mach 2. Yeah, he breaks, right? he breaks Jaeger's record. And he's mm -hmm. now, he is the fastest man alive. So you know what that means. That means Jaeger's going back up. He's gonna he's gonna beat it. <laughs> and it's during this scene where at Pancho's that we learn the economics of killing yourself in experimental aircraft. Right? <laughs> right? Yes. What is what is the economic lesson that we learned? What about is that? the I don't know what you're talking about. What are you <laughs> Do you know what makes the planes go up? Oh, Steve? that's right. Funding. Yes. Funding makes the no planes bucks, go up. No bucks, no Buck Rogers. Mm -hmm. There you go. 
And then Jaeger goes up yep. again. And this time in a beautiful X, I think this is the X1A. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I love both of those ships. They're, they're gorgeous. They look so much like Flash Gordon. I know. I can't stand oh, and, and, and this one, he's wearing like the, 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 the silver flight suit. He's gotten suit. an upgrade. Yeah. He's actually got a helmet. Yeah. And this one, this one, the X1A is silver. Yeah. Ooh, it's like, oh, it's boy. just space age porn. I mean, yeah, <laughs> totally. And this time he almost screws the pooch. Yeah, he breaks the speed record, but then he kind of loses mm-hmm. control of the plane for a while. He well, the the there was a technical. I can't remember what the actual thing that what happened was. He loses plane. He goes into a flat spin. Yeah. But because it's Chuck Yeager, <laughs> he regains control. He breaks the record, regains control of the ship, and lands it. And and there's a great moment where when he find when he when he takes control back and he radios back to base and he just casually uh-huh. mentions that he thinks he broke the canopy with his head like it's no Which big deal did. just he's just like <laughs> oh I think I might have busted the canopy with my head no big deal yeah. so he immediately earns the respect of Gordo yeah. and 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 all those guys and a distinguished and in real life a distinguished service medal yeah. on top of it so he's awesome guys <laughs> I I don't know if you're gonna get it yet but for me and steve yeah. chuck yeager is like the dude he's he's the yeah dude. he is really he's a yeah yeah and he's still alive he's 95 years old and still kicking yeah uh-huh. but oh steve Sput- <gasps> those darn russians yeah and we find out just how inept Washington, D.C. is, don't we, Steve? Yeah, we, we get some archival footage. Actually, some of it's archival footage and some of it isn't of uh, the uh, the Russians launching Sputnik. And then we hear we see Jeff Goldblum running down yeah. a hallway and burst into a room. Yep. And he's like, they launched a satellite. It's called Sputnik. And everybody's like, we know. We, we, sit down. <laughs> sit down, Jeff. And so they can't even turn on the projector to start showing them the footage <laughs> they have. I know. Oh, yeah. And in that room is Johnson yeah. and Ike. Yeah. And not Werner von Braun. Not Werner von Braun. Not. <laughs> and they start talking about, well, what are we going to do? We need to get a man in there. We need to get astronauts. And uh, this is maybe, this almost became the kind of, you know what it reminded me a lot what? of? The kind of humor that's in Dr. Strangelove. Yes, this this scene has a very strange lovey vibe, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely, it's a humorous segment. Not only could they not get the thing down, but the two guys that are running the projector, who are Harry Shearer Shear and uh, Jeff Goldblum, keep having arguments about who's on the screen. Right. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum says, stop embarrassing <laughs> And they're like, well, who are we going to get for this space program? And then they say, well, we have some suggestions. And they're like acrobats and surfers. Yeah, and like and stunt drivers and yeah, circus performers. And before you start saying, oh, that's ridiculous. It's not. It, it's not. They, they thought all of those things that people, human cannonballers and guys who jump from, who dive, stunt dive by setting themselves on fire into fiery water. They thought, yeah, maybe those people would be best, right? Steve? Yeah, absolutely. There, th- This scene is sort of like a, like a, a summary of a, mm-hmm. of a lot of ideas that were kind of tossed around in, in the very, very early planning stages of the American space program. Yeah. Right. And so they asked Werner, well, who do they want? Who does he want? Well, and Werner's Werner just wants someone just wants something to put in the capsule. So he's like, he wants a specimen. Yeah, he wants a specimen and a spaceman. Specimen. (laughs) And he says a chimp. What kind of specimen? I was thinking a chimp. Someone a chimp. What's a chimp? A chimp. A chimpanzee. (laughs) Jesus Christ! You're you are a senator. What the hell? 
It's one of my favorite scenes in the world. I know. Donald Moffat is knocking oh, this my performance god. straight out of the goddamn park. He is park so as Johnson. good as Johnson. Oh my god. Anyway, so they don't know what the fuck they're doing but ike wants test pilots yeah and they try to say you know test pilots are too hard to deal with and ike's like look those are who i want i want test pilots so go give me test pilots okay and okay and the two dudes who are running the projector are now recruiters and they're like so where do we go and it's like well there's only one place you can go and that's edwards yep. Yep. right and uh they <laughs> they uh come up to uh, ponchos and harry Shear gets the titular line where he gets to say the words the right stuff yeah yes he he gets to say it and he also gets to yeah. say that he he was at ponchos once years ago and he had hoped he would never have to go back yeah that's right <laughs> they walk in and uh, the guy seemed to know the the press guy who's yeah. there greets them, and everyone in the in there already knows what it is that they're talking about. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, Jaeger and Crossfield are out. They're yeah. like, we don't think what you're doing is. You just want someone to sit in a pod and just sit there. You don't want a pilot. Yeah. You just want you just want spam in a can. And at that moment, they were absolutely right. Yes. The person that was going up was just going to sit there. Yeah, that's right. And. Um, <laughs> But there's a few dudes that think that maybe it would be a good thing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Gordo and Gus and uh, Deke are all very intrigued by it. They feel that they're never going to get to the top of the pyramid at Edwards so long as Jaeger and Crossfield are yeah. there. And they're absolutely goddamn right. They weren't. No. <laughs> and also, <laughs> Gus Gus is very enamored of of uh the term astronaut when he learns from Gordo that it means star voyager, star voyager, That's Gus right. Grissom. <laughs> <laughs> so then the two guys, uh, the two recruiters are eating Chinese food and they watch Captain America on a game show. Oh, wait, that's not Captain America. <laughs> that's John it's Glenn. It's John Glenn. <laughs> the real life Captain America. The real life Captain America. <laughs> And they're like, see this guy? That's who we want. We're going to get John Glenn. He's a test pilot. He's a Marine. Yeah, yeah. And he just set, he just set a, a distance record. Right, right, right. And he was like, he was and a war on- hero in the Korean War. He was like, he yeah. was definitely like the number one guy. And from all accounts, the way Ed Harris is playing him in this is how every single person that has ever met John Glenn says he's like. Yeah. So if you think this is over the top, if anything, he's underplaying it. <laughs> he was too good to be true for the most part. I mean, he was yeah. too good it's for like, us. What? Why? Why? <laughs> what did we do to deserve this person to be here? Put him in a blue suit and give him the goddamn <laughs> right. shield. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> You must be in the wrong place, John. But now we wind up on an aircraft carrier. That's right. And that's when we meet um, Alan Shepard. Yeah. And he's landing his FH3 demon on the... Oh, God, I love that plane. <laughs> and he's the funny one. He's the funny one. And he goes up and meets the recruiters who are busily puking <laughs> off the side of the ship and trying to talk to him with puke in their mouths oh, and trying not to throw yes. up. And Shepard's like, cool, count me in. Yeah. So now we cut to Albuquerque, and we watch Alan Shepard get tortured for science. <laughs> for, Would you like to describe what they do to for him? For reasons that they can't explain to him. He's no, like, why are you doing this? And they're like, ah, it won't take too long to explain. Um, well, they jam a six-inch yeah, needle into his hand. And they, they forcibly convulse the muscles in his arm until his arm is just numb. Like he just, he can't, when they're, when they're, until it ceases. Yeah, they're, when they're right? done, he can't even lift his arm. It's just like dead. Right. Yeah. Right. And he comes out, and out in the lobby... 
of this mental institute. It's a hospital. Yeah. And they're all doing it hush-hush because the Cold War is on, right. right? They're supposed to keep it secret. But out in the hallway, there's nothing but uh, people. About 56 people applied. Of 56 people were asked to test right. to become an astronaut. And there we see John Glenn. And then he meets Scott Carpenter. And now we have two Captain Americas. <laughs> yes, yeah, they become best <laughs> friends instantly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or Captain America and Bucky. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. You did take your pick. They're just, they're so forthright yeah, they're and honest. Very earnest, and... wholesome, just good mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, they must have gone over great in the Marines. <laughs> and Shepard <laughs> sits down and he starts doing this bit. Right? Yeah, Jose Jimenez. He sees Grissom, and, sees Grissom and Gordo and they're talking about where do we go. And then he starts doing this Jose Jimenez bit, which is a thoroughly racist bit. Mm-hmm. That is on the Ed Sullivan show. And then he turns around and he sees that he's made a uh, a man mountain very upset at him. <laughs> yes. A man mountain named Gonzalez. Yes, who doesn't think that it's that funny, the whole Jose no, Jimenez he thing. <laughs> oh, and, and there's uh, Wally Shira playing dumb practical jokes up. Yeah, getting his, his one moment of glory in the film. <laughs> oh, Cut to Nurse Merch. Describe her. <laughs> oh, describe her. Well, Steve. there's some horn rim glasses, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like if the Wicked Witch of the West went into nursing instead yes, of witchcraft. She's a stern, sentient pair of horn rim glasses and a nurse's cap. And a mustache. And, uh, yeah. and uh, very intimidating. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's time for the breath test. Yes, right? yes. And they're supposed to blow into these tubes and make a ping pong ball in another tube, hover between two lines. And they we find out how competitive these jerks all are <laughs> because they're competing and Gordo's like, I'm going to break, break the record. Then we concentrate on him and all the other guys stop blowing and he's still blowing and he breaks the record and he's like, ha ha, take that. But... <laughs> Unbeknownst to him and also to us because we've... There were two Captain Americas on the other end of the Yeah, table. Carpenter and Glenn are still going strong. Uh-huh. And then they congratulate each other. <laughs> and the other guys make fun of yeah. them. And they good-naturedly laugh at that. They call them Archie and because, Jughead. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we go from the breath test to Gordo in the mind destruction <laughs> test, as near as I can <laughs> the, tell. The Twilight Zone test. <laughs> so Nurse Merch is looking at Gordo, who's locked in a room with some other dude. Yeah. And uh, there's lights going off. And their feet are in tubs of water that are bubbling, and they have electrodes all over yeah. them. Gordo's just calmly reading a magazine. The other guy is obviously already agitated. <laughs> Gordo falls asleep, and then they decide to they decide to have like a vent of steam shoot out. Yeah, and they set off alarms, and, and they set off alarms, and that's what finally breaks the other guy's mind, and he screams, <laughs> begs to be let out. And Gordo plays a real super cool. Yeah, he did, well, he smiles like, and we realize he's not—he hasn't even really been asleep. He's just been faking yeah. it the whole time. Yeah. We cut to him and and Grissom turning in pee samples, and Gordo thinks that if you f- fuck Nurse Merch, you get to be an astronaut. He, yes, he apparently he he has, he has decided that that is the whole point of these tests to try and see who can yes. sleep with Nurse Merch. And it turns out that Nurse Merch does want his sperm, but not in that no, way. She wants it in a cup. She wants a sample yeah. of it. She just wants a tube. Yeah, yeah. Right? She just wants a tube. Just fill up the tube. And he's like, how do I do that? And she's like, you go to the bathroom and jerk off. <laughs> you fucking fool. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Gordo goes into the bathroom. There's somebody already in one of the other stalls humming. <laughs> and we've already established, we've established earlier that uh, John Glenn hums a specific yeah. tune. Yeah. Right? What tune is that? That's... Uh, 
not I only have eyes for you. It's uh... well, and I think in uh, in in this scene, he's it's bum, 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 he switches bum, when he first walks. Bum, 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 bum. When he first comes in, when he first comes in, he's humming the tune that he's always humming. But Gordo tells him to shut yeah, up. Yeah, Stop. I know that's you, Glenn. Glenn, I know that's you. <laughs> I'm trying to concentrate. <laughs> Glenn then starts humming the Marine Corps. Yes, hymn. that's it. And so Gordo starts humming the, uh, uh, what is the, it's for the it's Air Force. It's Up We Go Into the Wild Blue Yonder. Up We yeah. Go Into the Wild Blue Yonder. In a competition of sorts while they both jerk off. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's it. That's literally what the scene is, yes. Mm-hmm. And so Goro turns in his sperm, and Nurse Merch says, I want to meet your wife. <laughs> oh, great. My wife. Cool. Yeah, we're totally still together and happy and married and, and stuff. And she's like, great. Then have her come in tomorrow. Yeah. You're in Albuquerque, so... <laughs> cool. I have to go. I have to leave right away for something unrelated. I have to leave this instant. <laughs> I have to... It's, it has nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he convinces Trudy to come out, yeah. right? And uh, she's like, all right, fine. And... She tries to lie to Nurse Merch, and turns out Nurse Merch wasn't buying it. Right. He gets to sit in the hallway while his wife and Nurse Merch laugh about him <laughs> in another room. Um, and then we have a newsreel. Right, yeah, Steve? it's a, a mixture of, of actual archival footage of astronaut applicants being tested and also the actors who play astronauts in this movie being tested. And uh, it's about right. the search for America's first astronauts. And then John, and then uh, Alan Shepard gets a barium enema. Oh yeah, because they do that when they're doing X-rays and stuff. And uh, he says, "Where's the bathroom?" And he said, two, two floors up." And he's like, well, "As soon as this clamp is released, the balloon inside you is going to do." <laughs> and there's another guy who looks petrified. Oh, who is very eager to get to that thing. bathroom? Yeah. And who is going to be escorting Alan upstairs? <laughs> it's none other than Shepard's brand new best friend, Gonzalez. <laughs> and we have an extended scene of two men's butt cracks as they have with tubes up them as they try to crab walk their way to up two floors. They get in the elevator. And Gonzalez is like, what you're doing is not cool. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man. And then uh, Alan asks him if he thinks he's going to be an astronaut. And Gonzalez says, yeah, I think you're going to make it. And he straightens up a little bit, but then he runs into the <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, he's got a little bit of an urgent situation here. <laughs> After Alan asks, hey, has anyone ever exploded in the yeah. <laughs> in the hallway? And he's like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> Cut to Washington. And what do you know, Steve? All the guys that we've spent time with are astronauts now. That's such a strange coincidence. That's right. And the press goes fucking apeshit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the, the public introduction of the Mercury 7, the, the, first, the first generation of American mm -hmm. astronauts. Everyone's taking pictures, and the head of the program is talking them up, and... Then the boys bullshit the press a little bit. Oh, yeah. While <laughs> while simultaneously giving uh, Glenn a little bit of uh, jazz because of how yeah. just impossibly earnest and aw shucks he is. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, my favorite one is the last one that says is Deke Slayton. I think we're not saying <laughs> we're saying the same thing over and over. over and over. Which which is Deke's gimmick in the movie. That's all yeah, Deke ever is. does is just is just mm -hmm. uh, needlessly repeat something that somebody else has just said. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> this is also the first time of one of my favorite things in the film. Oh, the sound effect they add whenever the press shows up, which is the sound of locusts. Yes, yes. In fact, at, it gets later in the movie where you don't even need to see the press. All you have to do is <laughs> hear the sound of locusts, and you know they're coming. Here they are. 
<sighs> so now they have a meeting with some dude, and he gives them all a, a raise, right? Yeah. Well, this is this the Life Magazine guy? Yeah. yeah he tells the him. He tells him that they're gonna. He's gonna, they're gonna pay him so much for their stories, and he has a little back and forth. Well, no, their actual base pay goes up. Okay. And there's a Life Magazine guy there, and he said, "Also, you're going to be writing stories and stuff." And it's like, like for example, by Betty Grissom, by Virgil, Virgil Grist Grissom, and he's like, he's like, my name's Gus. Yeah. And he's like, we can't have an uh, an astronaut named Gus. Shut up. And he's like, what's your middle name? What's his middle his name? His middle Steve? name is Ivan. Mm, that doesn't <laughs> work, does it? So they let him say he gets to keep the name Gus. <laughs> I love how he, the the Life magazine publisher actually says, "Okay, you can be Gus." Like it's up to him. <laughs> <laughs> and as they're leaving, you know, Gordo's wife tries to talk to Annie yeah. Glenn, and she doesn't say anything. She just kind of walks off, and she's like, "Jeez, you stuck up yeah. bitch! God damn it, <laughs> fucking ugh!" And they're like, "Well, what do you expect? That she's married to Mister Clean right. Green?" Well, now we find out why she was quiet. Right, yeah, Steve? yeah. We get a scene with uh, the Glens alone together, and it turns out Annie has kind of a speech impediment, and she's just shy about talking to people. She has a yeah. real severe stutter, yeah. which the real life Annie Glenn had in real yeah. life, and in fact was a very well known and awarded advocate for people with impairments such as yeah. that. It also speaks volumes as to John Glenn's character. <laughs> <laughs> because this one, this is a woman that they've—he's known her since childhood. Yeah, since they were kids. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know who I like more. He's—he—he <laughs> <laughs> he, he is. He's—he's—he's he's like impossibly good. John Glenn is the Captain America, and like Jaeger's like the Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should just do a team-up comic. Yeah, exactly. If only Jaeger had been hired as an astronaut, they could have done a Gemini mission together. Mm -hmm. We also find out in this scene that uh, John Glenn's a little self-aware. Yes, he's a he knows how people look at him and how people think that he's like a goody two-shoes, a Dudley do-right, as he says. <laughs> and his wife agrees. His wife is like, yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. are. Cut to rocket testing, and we get to watch a whole bunch of rockets explode. Yay. And I really wish they had kept an actual line that Alan Shepard had said when the first rocket exploded, which was, well, I'm glad we got that out of the way early. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to a bar that has an aquarium full of mm, women. Yeah, one of, one of them girl aquariums. Yeah, and we find out that the astronauts have been a little frisky in the pants area while they're down in Florida, huh, Yeah, Steve? they haven't been uh, technically faithful to their wives? No. Or at or, all. Yeah. And these, these two women come in and they're like, what, four down? Four down, three to go, I think they say. Three yeah. to go, right. And the the camera makes us think that it, that Gordo and Gus and Alan, and I don't know who the fourth one is. I think Shiraz is there all, too, yeah. I think, but anyway. I don't know, but they make it seem like, okay, they were the unfaithful ones. And then these two women, these two women pick out the worst wrong targets ever. <laughs> they, right? they go right to, to like, Glenn and Carpenter's Here's table. it. Here's a wrong tree to bark up, and they walk over to Glenn and Carpenter. And we cut to their changing room, yeah. where they're changing into their silver spacesuits. And Glenn has a little time problem. Yeah, right? he's not too f cool with all the infidelity and all the partying and all that. He's like, you're going to put this program in a bad light. And Shepard's like, shut the fuck up. I'll do what I want. <laughs> right. to. He says, you can't tell a pilot what to do when he's not flying. That's We're right. And what he does with his Wiccan, his zipper <laughs> is his own goddamn yeah. business. 
And Carpenter brings up whether we deserve it or not, people look up yeah. to us and we could endanger the program. And then they all start fighting back and forth and then Gus has a problem with the monkey. Right. And that's actually, <laughs> weirdly enough, that's what brings them all together. Because right. Gus says, Gus you know, says, they're going to send a monkey us up into space no, before. that isn't what he says. He says, the problem isn't pussy. The problem is yes. monkey. And that stops everyone dead in their tracks because they're like, oh, God, we let this man into the space program. <laughs> and, then every, and then all of <laughs> Gus's friends jump in and explain what he meant, which is a great. <laughs> we got to translate for Gus. Just a second. <laughs> what Gus is saying is. <laughs> he should have been like, no, 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 a real monkey. You guys don't see him? <laughs> I'm talking about that monkey right over there on the bench. Right over there. <laughs> you know, nobody sees the monkey. But basically, the guys want to be treated like pilots and not like lab rats. Right, exactly. Right? The engineers and everybody who designed the, the the spacecraft are just looking at the astronauts as something to just plug into the spacecraft and to monitor. That's it. Right, that's yeah. it. They're there to collect data. That's all right. that that's... And not actively like they're doing anything. They have a bunch of stuff connected to them that would collect data on their physical being while they're going up right. in space. And so they are going to be a united front and they're going to make sure that a monkey doesn't go up into space before humans do. And now we have a monkey versus man montage. <laughs> That's right? right. And then after that, we get to see the spacecraft for the very first time. Note I did not call it a capsule. The capsule. <laughs> They're wheeling out the the, uh, the spacecraft, yeah. and the guys look it over, and they're like, we want a window. <laughs> Where's the window? <laughs> and Gus really wants a door with explosive yes, bolts. Yes, Gus insists on that. He's like, determined, I really want a door with explosive <laughs> the bolts. The monkey says we need a hatch we can open ourselves. We want pitch and aft thrusters so we have control of the spacecraft. And also, it's called a spacecraft, you bunch yeah, of Nazis. Yeah. It's a spacecraft, <laughs> not a capsule. Yeah. And the Nazi scientists get their fifis That's hurt. Right. We will, okay, we will give you a window and we will give you a hatch. Okay, are we good but now? But only after the astronauts tell them that they'll go to the press. Yeah, exactly. They have to threaten them. If they, yeah. yeah, with funding. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because we, we trot that out again. Right. right? Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, exactly. It's Gordo and Gus and Deke who were there in Ponchos when, ponchos, when yeah. PR guy said that. They bring it back. And like, no Bucks, no Buck Rogers. And they're like, okay, fine. And the press are like, so who are you going to send up? Is it going to be a man or a monkey? And all the Nazi scientists are like, oh, oh yeah, it would definitely be a man. <laughs> oh, we know. <laughs> Fuck America. I mean, here we go. <laughs> and who goes up, Steve? It's a monkey. Captain Ham. A jimp. A jimp. Jim. Yep, and he lands and he gets his picture on the Life magazine, and they're showing it off back at Edwards. And Crossfield and Jaeger thinks it's funny, and yeah, because it's exactly what they thought was going to happen, right? right? But uh oh, Steve Gregarin. Oh, uh, the Russians! Those darn Russians! Yeah, they, they go ahead and send a man up there, Yuri Gagarin. Yep, and the press are like, "What happened? Why didn't you send? Why did you send a person instead of a monkey?" And the guy didn't say, well, because the guy's pissed off a bunch of German scientists and out of spite. That's what they did. That isn't the real reason, guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> Might have had something to do with it, but it wasn't the real reason. Um, no. But the boys are sick of everything. They're so sick and tired of being pushed around and treated like lab rats and all this other stuff. And they're so upset. John Glenn almost cusses. <laughs> yes, he has he to tries to say himself. fuck twice and he can't get it out. So Gus cusses for him. And then Glenn's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> darn right. 
So now we cut to May 5th, 1961. Yep. And we see that the very first Mercury 7 launch is going to take place. We don't know who it's going to be because apparently we're dumb and we don't know our history. We don't know history. Right. Everyone thinks it's going to be Glenn. Glenn is going to be the first one up, right? That's what everyone says, right? Yeah. We cut to Alex Severide. And boy, is he a downer. (laughs) All the rockets have exploded. This astronaut's probably going to die. This is going to be a tragedy. Lots of questions. Can our boys do it? No one can do anything. All of our rockets explode. God, America sucks. Why am I even here? (laughs) (laughs) Parents, don't let your children watch this. It'll probably blow up. (laughs) I have $50 on it blowing up. I hope it does blow up. I don't even care anymore. (laughs) And uh uh-oh, Steve. Creepy minister's there for some reason. (gasps) Yeah, what's he doing there? I guess he figured, I gotta go where the death is. (laughs) Why is he in Florida? Who knows? He's like, I gotta get there. And so we follow him up. He goes up into the elevator. He gets into the the pod. The pod. A pod? (laughs) The pod. (laughs) The spacecraft. Gets into the spacecraft. There's a little hand-drawn sign there that says no handball playing. And then we find out Glenn isn't the one who's doing is it? Right. Glenn was the one who put the sign in because the astronaut is actually good old Alan Shepard. Common knowledge for anyone who knows anything about yes. history. Indeed. And Glenn, to his credit, seems genuinely happy for yeah. Alan to go because yep. he's an awesome dude. <laughs> yep. He says, vai con Dios, Jose. And so they seal him in and lock him into the capsule, right? Where he dies. Where he dies the end. No. <laughs> he, he never gets out. Yeah. Alan Shepard says, dear God, please don't let me fuck this up. Yep. And the control says, I'm sorry, what was that? And he said, everything's A-OK. And then they report that everything's A-OK. And then Alex Everide says, everything is A-OK. <laughs> Unfortunately, I guess I just lost 50 bucks. Back at home at Alan's house, the locusts are back. And, oh, boy. And they attack the diaper service man. The, the, and it's not even their diaper no, man. No, it's That's not even the their diaper like, it's the neighbor, It's like the neighbor's diaper service, and they're fucking ripping diapers out of bags. Yep. <laughs> what are you people doing? But the flight has been delayed. And yeah. delayed and delayed by about eight hours. And he's been up there in Shepherds, in the Mercury capsule the whole the time. The whole time, just sitting there with nothing yeah. to do. And Shepard needs to pee. Oh, boy. And he, Houston, I have to urinate. And they say, no, you can't do it. You can't go in the suit. Short circuit. Yeah. Adding a liquid into an oxygen, sealed oxygen environment. No, you have to hold it. Because the flight itself is only 15 minutes. Right. And so now we have a pee montage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, which again is like this totally absurdist bit of comedy Guys thrown into the middle of this historical things epic. Down at hoses at the base, people yeah. pouring coffee, were, were not to Werner von, von Braun getting water and the gurgling of the water yeah. thing. People coming out of bathrooms, literally oh, yeah. a guy standing there peeing right at the audience, <laughs> going la 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 la. Yep. And finally, <laughs> he Alan goes, can Alan take it goes, no more. One of my favorite lines. He, he opens up his cum and says, request permission to relieve bladder. Oh, yes. And then Gordo has an, he has a pretty good follow-up to that, where he, he turns to not Werner Brown Brown and says, the man has got to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they finally go, okay, he can go in the suit. And he goes in the suit. He sets off, all the, sets off all the sensors. Alan has a typically awful joke about being a wetback now. Uh, yeah, Alan, come on, man. Uh-huh. 
You're an American hero. Now, for those people out there who are saying, well, that's too ridiculous for that to happen, this actually happened. Yeah, that actually happened. He, in fact, he shorted his suit out. They lost all of the, the medical data that they wanted to collect. Yeah. And and later suits would have an ability for them to go pee. Then they would need it because some of those guys were going up there for days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So after he peed, then it was lunchtime, right? Yep. Like, uh, according to this, like immediately, like as soon as he peed, they were like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. It, actually, it's not too far off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And so he peed, they go. He goes up, he comes down, and he's a hero. Yeah, absolutely. Gets to meet the president. And Jack, Jackie. The wives get to meet yeah. Jackie. And there's Jackie. parades and shit. Oh, yeah. And Gus is next. <laughs> and I'm sure that'll go just fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fair. But what are you talking about? He's great. Yeah. We cut to the bar in Florida with the aquarium full of ladies. And he's taken dimes and, and many replicas of the spacecraft with him as yeah. souvenirs. Because people are super freaking out over space shit. Yeah. He figures people like to have something that has been in space. Yeah. And Gordo picks one up. Up, and then he doesn't totally foreshadow what's going to happen on the mission, right? Not at all. Not by dropping one into the... He says, don't screw the pooch, and he drops it into the drink, and this capsule, the spacecraft sinks. That doesn't happen, right? <laughs> Gus looks up and says, that's a little on the nose, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Now, the yeah. pilots got the name, their, their craft. Right. And so Grissom named his Liberty Bell 7. Right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Gus loses the craft and shit. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah. He splashes down. He, they make him seem like he's a little panicky. And yeah. then the hatch with the explosive bolts. Yes, the same one that he insists, same ones that he insisted on. <laughs> oh, sweet irony. Blow out before the rescue, before the pickup uh, copter can hook onto the spacecraft and lift it out of the water. Right. He comes tumbling out into the water and the ship starts taking on water. It becomes too heavy for them to lift and it sinks. Yep. And then they get him and there's no, no one's happy. Yeah. He screwed the pooch. And there's no parade, and nope. there's no Jackie, and nope. there's no president. No, he gets a medal, but he gets it from the asshole head of the program, right. not not the president. Yeah. And Betty is pissed. Oh, yeah. She goes into her, the military owes me And we speech. go into the scene that Steve <laughs> and I have referenced at least seven or eight times in the course oh, of the yeah. show. <laughs> Fred Ward's big moment. Uh-huh. In which he says, Steve... <laughs> I did not do anything wrong! It was a glitch! It was a technical malfunction! The hatch just blew! The hatch just blew! Why in hell won't anyone believe me? And then Betty's like, I believe you. And then she turns to the camera and goes, I don't. <laughs> but they're crying and they're they're disappointed. This is like, yeah. she's got a point. She thinks the military owes her. She's not really had a great Shh. life. She's not wrong. I mean, yeah. And so uh, then the locusts come. Yes. And they straighten themselves up and go out and they're going to do an interview. And we cut back to Edwards. And the guys are like, yeah, sure. He, he screwed the per- He screwed the pooch. And he's yeah. like, there's no way that they're going to let him do anything that's not heroic. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the, the, the test pilots are like, yeah, the astronauts, it doesn't matter how bad they fuck up. They're going to yeah. spin it as, yeah. as good because I mean, that's Jaeger's what they need there, to do. And he says sometimes there, there's a pooch that can't get screwed. Right? Yeah. Right. And then they said, oh, well, he's just doing what a monkey does. And then Jaeger steps up and he says, 
Do you think a monkey knows that he's sitting on top of a rocket that could explode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's one thing to volunteer for a suicide mission. It's another thing to do it when it's going to be on national television. <laughs> yeah. And Old Gussie did all right. That's right. Thank you, Jaeger. <laughs> it's also around this time that we start realizing that Jaeger has some regrets. Yeah. He kind of regrets that he didn't you know, take the space program seriously. Because he even he can now see that that's where... All of the money and funding is swinging towards. That's where the the new records are going to be going to be. That's where that would feed his need more than anything yeah. else. Yeah, that's where they're <laughs> pushing the envelope, yeah. and that's what Jaeger lives to do to mm-hmm. push the envelope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're like, well, it's okay because they weren't going to take you anyway, Jaeger, because you didn't have you don't have a college degree. That's right. You ain't educated. Remember, there's a time in our country where you didn't need a college degree to become a brigadier, goddamn general, and a fucking American <laughs> hero. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, my bitterness Just because I ain't got a piece of paper. Just to cheer yeah. everybody up, Poncho's burns down. Yay. <laughs> and in the... Symbolism. In the rubble, Glennis, his wife, tells her yeah. that uh, she can't stand has-beens. That, yeah. Well, basically that her life hasn't been great, but she kind of liked the fact that she has a husband that does what he does. Yeah. Right? And she respects, yeah, that he's always pushing it. Mm-hmm. But if he yeah. stops pushing it, she'll fucking leave him. She'll <laughs> basically. She's going to be gone. If you become like the guy in glory days, I'm out of here. <laughs> <sighs> Then this is when we find out that uh, we start. Okay, so they've done this thing where they show Jeff Goldblum running down a hallway. Right. And every time he busts in, he says, it's called Sputnik. Or the next time he's called, he's called Yuri Gagarin, right? Yeah. This time he just runs down a hallway and busts open the door, and then Glenn wakes up because he's gotten a phone call. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> we find out that he's going to get a rushed mission with an unreliable rocket because the Russians had someone orbit the Earth. Right. I think the, the Russians had someone stay up for an entire day. Yeah. 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 So they want him to go up so he can orbit the Earth because they got they got to beat that. They got to beat that. Yeah. They got to beat it. Right. Fall, falling behind. Right. Cut, yep. cut to Annie's house and the she's getting the locust treatment and <laughs> she gets something else on top of it and that's the vice president. <laughs> she gets a, a very unwelcome would be visit yeah. from the vice president. The vice yeah. president. Wants to do a press thing with her just to make him look good. And yeah. Annie don't want to do it because she's a stutterer and she doesn't want to appear on television. And the other right. wives protect her because now they know what the deal is with her. And they're all friends. <laughs> right. We cut to Johnson in his limousine and he's been parting some <laughs> knowledge about the Russians and what they want to do with our peckers. <laughs> when he finds out that the flight's been canceled. Right. Right. And <laughs> but so he says, OK, then I'll go pay a sympathy call. And that'll be great. It'll be me and her on national television. And as I console the wife and they go, the guy goes up the door and Annie says no. And Johnson is like, I don't care. You going to put pressure on NASA. I'm the head of NASA. That's what the vice president does. Everybody, our current vice president, Mike Pence, who probably thinks yes. the, the earth is flat and the moon is made of cheese, is in charge of NASA. Anyway, so, he puts yeah. pressure. So sleep sleep good tonight. Yeah, everyone sleep good everybody. Yeah. Um so he's going to put pressure on him. We cut to Florida. Glenn's coming out, takes his helmet off. The director comes up and says, the problem with your wife. She's over there on the phone. He picks up the phone. Wife's like, Johnson wants me to be on TV. And the director's like, I'm evil. I'm evil. I'm evil. <laughs> Tell like, her to let him in, John. Just, it'll be good PR. Just do it. Force her to do it. <laughs> do it. It'll be good. <laughs> what does Glenn say? Glenn backs up his wife. That's he right. says, it's your house, and if you don't want Johnson in there, then he's not stepping one toe in our house. 
and he says, I'll talk to you later, bye. And the director yeah. starts yelling at John Glenn and says, he is the head of NASA. You get on the phone and you tell your fucking wife to do that press thing. And Glenn, John Glenn's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you don't talk to Captain America that <laughs> That's way. That's right. And, and the director's like, oh, yeah, well, maybe you won't go on the next flight. And then that's when, and this is one of the scenes that actually makes me emotional, is when all of the other fucking guys step forward and said, who are you going to get? <laughs> yep. Yep. We're, none, none of us is going gonna, is gonna to take Glenn's place. That's right. So go fuck yep. yourself. And they walk off. Yeah. <sighs> and then Johnson has a temper tantrum. <laughs> oh, boy. The fucking limousine rocking from the outside <laughs> as he kicks and screams. Oh, it's so great. Gladiolas. <laughs> Isn't there anybody who can deal with a housewife? Cut to Gordo, and where is he, Steve? He's uh, going to Australia. He's in Australia. Yeah, he's in Australia because back then, before they had uh, all those mass communication satellites, in order to keep constant contact with uh, an astronaut as they orbited the Earth, you needed to have someone actually man a radio dish on the other side of the planet. That's right. <laughs> so they could maintain constant radio contact. So he's out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And he gets out, and there's some Aborigine guys there. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I'm a, sp I'm a spaceman. We go up into space. And <laughs> the Aborigine is like, oh, you blokes do that too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big whoop. See that old man up there? He does that. That's right. He points out this old Aboriginal Merlin, and he's sitting up there. And he's like, <laughs> he's, he knows the stars. He knows the Milky Way. He'll help your friend out. And he's like, okay, thanks. Well, bye. And <laughs> it's time for Glenn. And what does Glenn name his ship? Oh, boy. He names it friendship seven that's right he does come on i mean right like come on <laughs> and so he goes up and um he's like floating around it's great he has a good old time and then uh oh steve the landing bag is the polite is the play light is on yeah, it's, it could be it could be big trouble because they're worried that uh, it might mean that his heat shield is loose. And what happens if the heat shield is loose? Well, if the heat shield is loose, then when he goes back into the Earth's atmosphere, uh, he burns up and dies. <laughs> no worries. The, Ab uh, the Aborigines are on it. That's right. They, they are. This, They've got him covered. They build this big fire with lots of sparks, and they send the sparks up into space, and John Glenn sees <laughs> the sparks, and he's like, wow, look at that. And I guess the sparks fix his ship or something. <laughs> Guys, I know, I know, I know. Liberties have <laughs> what been it taken. Is well, what it is is a cross-cutting of, of events that actually happened that were completely unrelated. That's like they're, right. They're, Glenn really did see, like, sparks outside of his ship. Well, firefly things, yeah. But, yeah, the firefly things. But it was it turned out to be just frost that was breaking off the outside of the capsule. It had nothing to do with Aborigines building fires. But it's, There's no it's magic called in your fucking soul, Steve. <laughs> it's called artistic license. It's called visual poetry. That's right. Okay? <laughs> yes. Control decides not to tell him. What, the, yeah. what they think is wrong. Although, in real life, he kind of figures out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Because he was supposed well, to go it's... up and he was supposed to do seven orbits, and they call him back after after three. Yeah. And they say, okay, we want you to leave the retro, pa the retro booster package on. Basically, the rockets on the underside of the spacecraft, they want to leave that on, and hopefully the straps will keep the heat shield in place, right? Right. They tell him how he's going to maneuver. Thank God they abandoned the whole, we'll control everything from down below, because he now actually... <laughs> 
actually has to pilot the fucking thing, right? Right. And uh, he uh, does all the stuff he needs to do. Goes down in a flaming fireball, humming the whole way. Yes. Everybody is nervous, except for me, because I know he's alive because he's a senator (laughs) at the time that I was watching this. (laughs) Gee, I wonder if Glenn makes it. (laughs) And he does in another parade. Yay, he lives. Yay. Back at Edwards, Jaeger sees the absolutely fantastically beautiful NF-104A, which is the later production model of the NF-104 Starfighter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. We had a fucking plane called the Starfighter. (laughs) It was a real plane, and it was really called the Starfighter. And it was so fucking cool. You can't make this up. It was slick silver, that shiny silver. Oh, boy. But yeah. he sees it, and he gets some bad ideas in his head, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> oh, yeah, because there's a Russian altitude record oh, that yeah, was just is. set. And, and uh, Jaeger and his buddy uh, Ridley, he's like, you know, Ridley, um, I bet that starfighter there could break that Russian altitude record. He's right. but Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's right, he can. Um, we cut to Houston, because Johnson is corrupt. I'm sorry, we cut to Houston. <laughs> yes, the, Johnson has... The he home state to that- from where he was senator yes and for no fucking reason he moved everything to houston control everything yeah mission con- that, that's why mission control is in houston even though they launch spacecraft from florida right yeah. why because because lyndon johnson said so <laughs> I mean that's it. That's, that's really basically it. Up, it. Up, up up until then, yeah, as as we saw in the in the earlier missions, uh, sp- Mission Control was right near the launch site. That's right. That building at Cape fact, Canaveral. Mission Control, the original Mission Control that you will see in several movies, including movies like ugh, like Apollo thirteen. That Mission Control is there in Florida. I've been in it. It looks right, exactly the original like Mission that. Control. Yeah, the original yeah. Mission Control. So, anyway, he's moved everything to Houston, and this is a big welcome to Houston, right? Yeah. And um, they're having a barbecue, and there's lasso guys. That's stereotypical Texas stuff. Yeah. And uh, some guys come up, and they shake Alan Shepard's hand, and they're like, which one's jungly, and I want to meet him. And he's like, I'm the first guy <laughs> nurking in space. Whatever, fuck you. And fuck like, you. And Shepard's like, I'm going to the moon. I can feel it. And he's like, you trust those instincts, Alan. <laughs> Alan Shepard goes to the moon. So fuck Alan, it. Yeah. Uh, Apollo 14, That's baby. That's right. Anyway, he was supposed to be on Apollo 13, but... Yeah. <laughs> he lucked out there. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lovell. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, then some reporters walk up to Gordo and Gus. Turns out Gordy is the last guy. He hasn't been in space yet. Yep. We kind of skipped over like a couple other guys' flights, like Carpenter's we didn't do. And Shira never went up because he had a heart problem. Right. Well, no, actually that was Slayton. Slayton never went up. Oh, I'm sorry. Slayton never went up. Shira went up. Yeah. Shira did two orbits. And um, Carpenter did, I don't know how many. Yeah, Carpenter went up right after Glenn. Yeah. And so then... uh, yeah, poor, oh, poor Deke. But he went up later. He went up on, uh, what mission. was it? Uh, he, the, uh, no, the... uh, he was the uh, command module pilot. Oh, no, he was in the uh, the one. The, the oh, no, Apollo you're right. Soy- it was the, the Soyuz. The Apollo Soyuz mission. It was yeah, the where Soyuz they did mission, by The right. docking, the Russian and the American capsules yeah. docked. He was at that yeah. time the oldest American to go into space. He was 51 at that time. Yeah, and he was uh, he was the head astronaut. He was the chief astronaut yeah. for many years. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, guys. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> we, we can't help ourselves. <laughs> 
some reporters come up to uh, Gordy and Gus. They're having a heart-to-heart. And uh, one of the reporters actually asked Gordo <laughs> what was the greatest uh, pilot. What? What? I just, he, he literally asks this yeah, question. Yeah, he literally like, asks this question. Who's the greatest pilot you ever saw? And he laughs about that. And then he tries to answer seriously. And the reporters, being jerk locusts that they are, don't actually listen to anything they fucking no. say. Hey, Gordo, could you speak up? Or he says, you yeah. know, some of the greatest pilots are sitting in this room and he just gestures to Gus. And you yeah. know he's about to say who we all think he's going to say, right? Right. He looks like he's about to, He says there was one pilot who I think might have been the greatest I ever saw. And who he, had the right. Imagine, he was about to say the right stuff. About who had the right stuff. You would imagine he was going to say Jaeger. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of catches himself and yeah. goes back to like smirking Gordo Cooper mode. And he says, you're looking at him, baby. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the... Uh, Meanwhile, back at Edwards, Jaeger shouts to Ridley, hey, you got any Beamons? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have a stick. Okay, good, because I'm about to steal this plane. <laughs> oh, good. He says, I think this plane has my name on it. It does. He's the pilot for that plane. <laughs> it literally says it's painted your name right there. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. How about that? He goes out, he's going to go, he's, he's taking the flight up, controls, like, he's got to have clearance, right? <laughs> he's Chuck Yeager. He wouldn't just take a plane out for no reason, right? Uh-huh. And uh, he takes off, and he's going, he's going to go for that record. We cut back to yeah. Houston, and we watch a fan dance by Sally Rand, right? Yep, it's like a stripper, but classy. Yeah, we cut back to Yeager, and uh, things things don't go good. Right. Did I well, mention that this okay is his last? While, and then, did I mention yeah. this is his last test flight? It's his last test flight, everybody. <laughs> now I, I know you guys might get concerned because he could die. Um, he remember, guys, he's playing Fred the bartender in Poncho's, so you know he's fine. Right, he's gonna make it. So he can, he takes it, he's gonna he just basically turns that fucking thing into an elevator and he goes straight oh, yeah. up. Yep. And he's pushing the engines as hard as he can, and then there is an engine failure in the afterburners. He gets so high up that uh, he can start seeing stars. Yeah, he can see the stars in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the ship starts to fall like a well, not like a dart, but it goes <laughs> into a flat spin. He can't regain yeah. control of it. The engines won't come back on, and uh, he punches out. Yep. And uh, here's what actually happened. They don't tell you this in the movie, but this is what actually happened. The liquid propellant in his ejector seat got into his helmet on yeah. fire. <laughs> yeah, so that there is a shot of his helmet smoking, but they never explain exactly why that's happening. That's because his yeah. head is on yeah. fire. <laughs> his head is on fire. And then the ship crashes. Boom, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. And Ridley is out in a Jeep with some guy. And in any other movie, I would have raked this fucking thing over the coals for these lines of dialogue. (laughs) They're driving out there. Ridley's looking around. And then the driver says, over there, is that a man? (laughs) Thanks for the setup, kid. What does Ridley say? He says, you damn right it is. Now, I would just like to say, cementing for all time that Chuck Yeager is the greatest badass. He's walking away from his crashed... (laughs) 
Starfighter. Yes. With his helmet under his arm, third degree burns on his fucking face, chewing his gum. Yeah, yeah. His face, his face is black like a cartoon bomb just went off in his face. Like he's char, he's got soot and char all over his face, and he's just walking around like, That's "Hey, right. I, I, I'm here. Come pick he's, me up." He's walking towards the tur- talking towards the jeep. Yeah, marching. I mean, he's not even like limping or anything. Nope. He's just marching right out of the crash. Uh, yeah. Now it's Gordo's turn. Yep. And he's asleep. He's asleep. We've established in his that Gordo capsule. can seemingly sleep through anything, right? Yeah. He's asleep and they're about to launch. Glenn wakes him up. And uh, he takes off, right? Yep. And uh, some mustachioed weirdo. <laughs> Go. Yeah, we have this push into this weirdo <laughs> who's jerking it because he loves launches or something. He's like, Go. Yes. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, but he's not cool. the only one because Gus loses his shit. <laughs> yeah, go hot dog, go. He's sitting next to Alex Severi and he's like, oh, what, what? Oh, shit. Just Guess blew out your headset for there, the Gus. launch or something. Yeah. <sighs> and Gordo takes off and the narrator's back. Yeah. I wonder if he ever found that demon he was talking about. <laughs> I locked the demon in a closet. I only have a few minutes. What bummer thing did he slip in there before we ended the movie? Oh, well, he tells us, he, he you know, he lets us know this is the end of the Mercury program. And then he says, uh, four years later, Gus Grissom was killed in what we know as the Apollo 1 accident. He doesn't yeah. say Apollo 1 in the narrative, but uh, no. he's when fire swept through his Apollo capsule. Killing um, two others, too. Killing, killing, yeah, killing uh, Roger Chaffee and ed white mm-hmm. and uh but on that glorious day gordo cooper became the last american ever to go into space alone and flew higher farther and faster than any other american and for a brief moment he became the greatest pilot anyone had ever seen cue the uplifting theme <laughs> yep hit it bill conti <laughs> And the end. Yep. So, Steve. Yes. How do you feel about this early Space Pioneer epic? The right stuff. Wouldn't it blow everybody's mind if I said I didn't like it? Yeah, it would. After all of this? I would end this friendship right now. Not just the show. (laughs) (laughs) That we we would never speak again. There are red lines you do not cross. (laughs) You'd see me throw the camera on the floor and scream, Liar! (laughs) What has all this been about? (laughs) Um, no, this is okay. Oh. This this is this is one of the first movies I ever really loved. Um, it's it's not just a great movie. It was watching this movie was a formative experience for me. I was three when it came out. I didn't see it then, but I saw it when it when they aired it on TV. Um, they aired this movie on broadcast TV, I think on ABC in like 1985 or 86, something like that. So mm-hmm. I was I was still a young kid, um, and they aired it over two nights. Wait, it was it's on so TV. Long. So what did Gus? Grissom say instead of fucking a Bubba because he says it like five times. Um, I think they might have just omitted that. I know. Oh. We, and I know Alan Shepard when he's in the capsule and he says, "Dear Lord, please don't let me fuck up." They redub that as "Please don't let me screw up." Um, and there's a couple, yeah, and there's a couple other profanities that they leave in, but they just alter them to make them more acceptable. But I don't think I think they just took out all of Gus's fucking a bubbas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and this movie, it I already had like a fascination with human spaceflight, but but this movie really crystallized it, and this movie 
is the reason why I grew up with astronauts and especially the Mercury 7 and most especially Alan Shepard, Gus Grissom and John Glenn, along with Chuck Yeager, of course, mm-hmm. uh, as as my heroes. Like these guys were my heroes when I was growing up. And it's the main reason why I'm still such a, a supporter of human spaceflight today. Um, and NASA it's. Nerd. And, and, oh yeah, absolutely, and it's 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 almost entirely due to seeing this movie at a very young age, mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, it's and as we as we as we talked about, I think before we started recording, um, it's also the reason why I have never been able to enjoy Apollo thirteen as much as a lot of other people, <laughs> because even though and we reviewed that movie, yeah, we, we did. reviewed that movie. So so go back if you haven't heard the Apollo thirteen episode, go back in the archives and listen to our Apollo thirteen show, um, and I enjoy that movie. Like I don't think apollo 13 is a bad movie at all um there's parts of it that i love but um i think i feel like it comes up short because it lacks something that this movie has uh apollo 13 feels like a filmmaker took a historical event and made it the basis of a really well-made like sort of crowd pleaser movie Uh while the right stuff feels like a much better filmmaker took a historical event and he made a work of art out of it that's the difference to me and um the thing that the right stuff does so well is it balances history History and myth almost perfectly there obviously there is some creative license here and there um are you going to try to tell me that there aren't aborigine wizards space wizards (laughs) there may not be Uh. i don't know um but for the most part every major event depicted in the movie did actually happen it didn't it it didn't always happen exactly the way it depicted like chuck yeager's test flights were not quite a spur of the moment he didn't just wake up one morning and decide to try and break the uh the altitude record military guys he yeah, he he didn't just take the starfighter he out on a whim. He didn't become a brigadier general by fucking flaunting the rules and, and stealing right. ships. They 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 changed that a little, you know, to emphasize the cowboy aspect, to emphasize that like the the early test pilots were like gunslingers who sort of did their own thing, and then things were a little more rigid and formalized when the astronauts came along. They they play up that that uh, contrast in the movie, and that's yeah, why that is. But but um, yeah, and certain relationships between characters are embellished, like Gus and Gordo and Deke weren't quite as close as they are in the movie, at least not at first. Like, they, they didn't have a friendship going way back like like they, they depict in the movie. And there's a couple other things that aren't quite true, but for the most part, it's pretty true to history. And uh, and like we've said in, during the re- during the review, like, even some of the really unbelievable stuff, like like Shepard having to, to pee in his spacesuit, like, that that's all true. That really yeah. happened. Um, but there's also this other layer to it that is just pure myth. Like, Chuck Yeager in this film is like a figure from greek mythology he's, fucking he's chiseled from rock he's like he's yeah he's he's not quite a god but he is more than a man like he's and and he's he's the symbol he's the embodiment of the right stuff this indefinable quality that they say the astronauts just have to have he's you know they need the right stuff whatever that means well whatever it is chuck yeager has it and he's the closest thing that there is he's to a central protagonist. distributor of it what are you talking about <laughs> yeah, i know <laughs> he makes it in his basement <laughs> Um, he's, and and you go down to see what he's doing and he's just peeing in the bottles. Um, Hey, wait a minute. Um, and, and he's the closest thing. He's the closest thing to a central protagonist. This is an ensemble movie. It's not about just one particular character, but if it is about any one of these characters, it's about Jaeger, um, especially thematically. Yeah. Because Um, here's the thing. This is about the early space program, but the character that we follow more than anything else is someone that was never in it. Exactly. He was never an astronaut and, and, and he becomes sort of the symbol of one of the big themes of the 
movie, which is just how, how fast everything starts to happen. Yeah. Um, after he breaks the sound barrier, one of the media guys is like, no, you, you know, you'll be a legend. You'll be a hero forever. They'll always remember your name. And then what we see in the movie is him progressively falling further and further behind and getting more and more forgotten as yeah. new history keeps being made. And for, you know, for all of his heroism and all of his stoic courage and pioneering accomplishments, he ends up being left behind. Um, and we see that starting to happen at the end of the movie to the Mercury astronauts, too, when yeah. when they, the guy passes up Alan Shepard because he wants to go meet John Glenn. Like Shepard has already become yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that that happened. That's a big important part of the of the movie. There's so many characters in this movie, and yet almost every major character is done justice. The 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 obviously the film cares more about some characters than others, but all of the astronauts at least get a moment or a few memorable lines. Wally Shira is the one who gets jilted the most because he just gets the thing where he, he opens up the, the toy snakes in the in the hospital yeah. and they're you know, and he, he doesn't gets really the have least any other amount of yeah. Yeah, he doesn't get a whole lot of, and you know, I mean, as we mentioned, they skip over the the space flights of most of them just yeah. just for the sake of you know they didn't want to make a seven hour movie. Yeah, um, and also those were relatively uneventful. Everything went yeah. exactly the way they were. They and, were routine. Yeah. yeah. Um, the acting is all fantastic. It's one of the best casts ever assembled. Virtually every actor in the cast, uh, especially those who played the Mercury Seven, um, the, the the featured members of the Mercury Seven, anyway, went on to greater success after this. Yep. But for me personally, because I saw this movie when I was a little kid, um, they will always be these characters. Like Scott Glenn, for me, is always going to be Alan Shepard. Yeah. Uh, Fred Ward is always going to be Gus Grissom. Dennis Quaid is always going to be Gordo Cooper. Ed Harris is always going to be John Glenn. For for me um and something else i noticed which happens a lot when i revisit films as an adult that i loved as a kid was i was pleasantly surprised to see how funny this movie is um we mentioned a couple of times there's there are some scenes that are actually played just straight for laughs yeah. like the uh the scene where they're showing the footage of the circus performers and you know you, you get the comic team of harry Shearer and jeff goldblum yeah. um and then the press conference as well where they're all sort of taking the piss out of john glenn um because he's just so wholesome and enthusiastic and they kind of come in and you know do their own version of that right um there's even a line while glenn is going off on his little you know isn't america great speech where gordo says i can't believe this (laughs) um so and this is another movie that i have to say it's 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 an exception to my shorter is better rule for movies because i i i've i've often said that you know two hours is plenty of time for a movie. This movie is an exception to that rule. This is a very long movie. Go ahead and, and say it, Steve. It's not long enough. It's well, no, it's it could be longer. <laughs> I would sit still for it. Um, it would. And here's the thing. If you wanted to just be like a ruthless running time uh, stickler, Oh, there's say, plenty of stuff you can cut out. There's plenty of stuff you could cut out. Um, you could you could say, if you just wanted to make a movie about the Mercury program, you could say, you know what? We don't really need the Jaeger stuff. We can just start with the Mercury program. Yeah. But if you did that, you would miss an essential point of the movie. The whole um, point of the characters. Yes. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, it's, it, it reminded me a little bit of the people who when, who complain about uh, The Last Jedi and say, just lose lose the, the casino planet stuff. It's like, you, 
you're missing the point of the movie. That stuff needs to be there, or it's or or you lose an essential part of the movie. Right. The Jaeger the Jaeger stuff in the right stuff is absolutely essential, and it's one of the things that makes this a great film and not just a well done series of historical reenactments. Right. You know, it, it it finds something deeper, something truer in these events and in the lives of these people. And if you lose the Jaeger stuff, then you you lose a lot of that mythic quality. Um, so yeah, this is this this is a great film. You said at the beginning of the review, it's one of the greatest films ever made. It's it's a masterpiece. Right. It's it, it's an artful film. It's a lesson on how to dramatize history without losing a sense of its depth. It's a lesson in how to mythologize characters without robbing them of their flaws and complexities. Mm-hmm. Because there, even though we we definitely see these guys as heroes and as admirable, we also see their flaws. We also see how um, how all too human they were, and there are even. Scenes where they're kind of knocked off of their perch a little bit when Poncho makes fun of Gordo and Gus and says, "You guys yeah. aren't so great after all." You know, there's a <laughs> lot of that there, and there are a lot of those moments throughout the movie where they let the air out of the balloon a little bit to remind us that yes, these are these are historical figures of great importance, but they're also just people and they make mistakes and they're human just like the rest of us. So right. yeah, it's 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 one of my favorite films and it's by far the best film ever made about the space program. And I will I will force myself to stop gushing about it now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my turn now? Please. Yay. I love this movie so much that the very first time that I had money to take a vacation when I was officially a grown-up, the age of 23, I hopped on a train and went to Cape Canaveral. Wow. That's how much I love this movie. That's great. Okay. That gave me a tangible physical. would be able to walk up to the one of the rockets laying on its side that uh, sent people to the moon, and you find found out as you walk the length of the goddamn thing just how big it is. Oh. Yeah. To be able to go to mission control, you know, to be able to see that it's still a functioning base. They still launch satellites and stuff. They had a launch when I was there, right? Yes, there were some touristy spots, but for the most part, it was exciting to be there, to see the commemorative plaques and everything else. Yeah. That's how much I love this movie. There was not another yay Spaceman movie between then and Apollo 13. That's and Apollo true. 13 had not come out yet. So this really did... I already loved space and astronauts and all that stuff prior to the film. This just pretty much tattooed it onto my fucking soul. And I think <clears throat> one of the reasons why... Uh, my astronaut fan dumb aside. Here is ultimately how I feel about the movie as a film. The film itself does a remarkable job of taking fact-based stuff from history and presenting it in an artful way that doesn't talk down to the audience, that doesn't overload them with facts and figures and dates and... and, Okay, just a really good example. There are reasons as to why when Jaeger's... um, when he's flying in the... uh, X, uh, X1A, that it goes into a flat spin. There's a technical problem that happens. It's never brought up in the movie and it's never addressed, right? We don't need it. All we need to know is that a problem occurred and he he got through it, right? That's all we right. really need to know. Same thing for when he crashed the, star, the, the Starfighter. The engines went out. It's not explained. No one comes back and says, oh, here's what happened. It's totally not his fault. It just was something that happened and he survived it. There's a whole lot of not exposition going on in this movie. Thank Christ. <laughs> For real. Okay. Do they take shortcuts? Of course they do, because you have to. You have to be able to take shortcuts, right? But they stuck to the bones of what was going on. Yes, Alan Shepard was stuck in that stuck in that spaceship for eight hours after being locked in. And yes, he peed his spacesuit. <laughs> <laughs> 
What I also admire about this film is that it is a warts-and-all presentation of these people, yet still manages to make them fucking heroes. If anything, showing their flaws, the fact that they are not faithful to their wives, the fact that they have some moral quandaries. Gus Grissom is just a bucket of contradictions all (laughs) over the place. Um, But the fact that even in his failure, you still feel for the guy, right? Yeah. Even after everything that happened, you could go either way. Either he hit that button and he blew off the doors or he's telling the truth and it just blew, right? Right. You still feel for the guy afterwards because of the burden that's being laid upon him because now he's going to be viewed as the failure of the Mercury, you know, of the Mercury program. Yeah. Warts and all makes them more heroic, not less heroic, right? The only pair of people who get away from that is Glenn and Carpenter, who are too goddamn good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> but they serve a function. They're a contrast to the ones that do have all of these problems. Did we need to have the wife stuff in? No. But boy, it was nice they included it, huh, Steve? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's the same thing with, with, with if they had lost the Jaeger stuff. Like it would have the, the, the wife stuff is essential to the movie. It's, yes. Yeah. Everything that's in this movie is in service to the overall story. Yeah. Remove some of it and the and the movie diminishes. If they wanted to make a two hour film just about the Mercury program, they would have had an okay st- I would have watched it, but it would have been an okay story, right? But there would be nothing there. Everything that's in there informs us as to the characters of the film and what they're going through. Just like in real life, 95% of this is getting ready to go into space and 5% of the 5% of it, 5% of it is just them going into space, right? Yeah. There's not a whole lot of them being in space. No, not at all. We skip over Gus completely. We just see him making re-entry. We don't yep. actually see him in space. And that's kind of funny for a space program movie, right? That we don't spend a lot of time in space. <laughs> Compare and contrast this to Apollo 13, which was the next space movie, the next space program movie, right? Yeah. Where none of the guys really had problems, none of the guys really had character arcs, none of them really... In, in The Right Stuff, these characters have a reflective moment when they move to Houston, where they're all in the auditorium and they're playing that beautiful music as Sally Rand does her fan dance, in which they all have a mm-hmm. moment where they look at each other and uh, understand the enormity of what they've been involved in. Right? Yeah. We don't get that in Apollo 13. What we get is fucking narration. We get narration at the end of the movie. Right, Steve? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, one, we do. One of the other reasons I like this movie is because it is not afraid of doing something weird in the middle of what's going on. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not quite certain what they're trying to convey with Jaeger's vision when he breaks the sound barrier, when he's going really fast. It really does look like tunnel vision, and it's very mm-hmm. artistic, and it doesn't look realistic at all, right? Right. If this is something Something that he was really going through, then holy shit, is he a hero? Because he's managed to fly while looking like having vision like that. Isn't that what the world looks like to you? <laughs> but um, one of my favorite things in the movie is whenever they would cut over to the Russian stuff. And the Russian stuff consisted of archival footage from yeah. Russia's space program, but also this great shot of an actor portraying the Russian, the lead Russian scientist, being projected over smoke. So it yeah. looks like it's fire, right? And you could think that's weird, but it just fits right in with everything else that's in the film. It just kind of goes in. You go, oh, okay, we get it. And they reuse the same shots over and over again so that you start picking up on the visual dialogue of the of the movie, right? It yeah. creates a shorthand so that later on you know that something's going on. Whenever you see Jeff Goldblum running down that hallway, you know something <laughs> else happened in Russia. So I really like – I know this movie is long, but what it does do is it gives you so much time with these people 
people. And this movie blows by. I told oh, Steve yeah. this. I watched this movie four times this week, right? And every time it was like, what, is this over already? <laughs> Oh, yeah. For a three-hour and some movie, it yeah. yeah, it moves incredibly quickly. It doesn't drag at all. No, I'm not saying that if you guys don't like the space program and you're not terribly interested in it, that maybe you'll be like, eh. But for me... I love this movie, even if I wasn't a sp- even if I wasn't in love with the space program, I would still love this movie. Uh, now I'm going to just mention a little bit of the history prior to this, as far as movies are concerned. In the 1970s, after we landed on the moon, Hollywood did a bunch of bullshit, a bunch of <laughs> fucking bullshit, and they did it in the 60s too. Yeah, where every time we sent someone up into space, things went wrong. Our astronauts went crazy or tried to kill each other. Gene Hackman was in something. Was that marooned? Marooned. I think that was yeah. marooned. Where we yeah. try to save people because people fucking go nuts when they go up into space. Oh man, Hackman has a breakdown in that movie. That's yeah. <laughs> and then there was the fucking travesty that was Capricorn One. Yeah. Where oh we faked it. Was it Mars? They said we, we were faked the Mars landing. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you, Michael well, we, Crichton. But we know exactly what they meant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That they faked the moon landing and so they made the we faked the Mars landing and then all the, the we faked the moon stuff people came out and said see it's just like that that's, that, uh, that's how I based my beliefs on movies mm, for yeah. whatever reason in the 1970s when movies came out about astronauts it was all bullshit and that's because boomers hate heroes <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to the boomers, doesn't it? Because they weren't astronauts, was they? They were. They were boomer astronauts. I don't know. Oh, absolutely, yes. But this was, it, you can't help but think, okay, so the, the people who were the original Mercury 7s were the parents of boomers, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it kind of feels like in the 1970s, they weren't so great. Yeah, sure, they fought Nazis, and then, then they went into space, and whatever, we're doing stuff. <laughs> we took drugs, and then now we're... We're to make a money. That's that's what we do. We're gonna elect Ronald Reagan <laughs> twice. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> ah, but I mean, after ten years of Hollywood making these kind of deeply, I deeply, deeply cynical films yeah. about the space program. It was nice to have a movie come out, and maybe this is why it didn't succeed. Maybe this uh-huh. is why it didn't resonate with the fucking people and the fucking American. Okay, calm down, Jason. It, maybe that's why it didn't succeed, was because they were like, oh, who cares if they're heroes? They didn't do anything. Fuck you. God. So anyway, what am I saying? This is an artistic, beautiful film that tells a story very, very well. And uh, whether it was, you know, something that I already had enjoyed about the space program, this was still a, a, still a great movie. And uh, thankfully, it is a classic now. Enough critics loved it. And it when it started playing on television and when it came to cable and all that other stuff, other people finally watched it, right? So even though it wasn't a box office success, it is now considered a classic. And most people reference it mm-hmm. all the time. And ain't that funny how that has, seems to happen over and over again, huh, Steve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird how popular opinion turns out to The Wizard be... of Oz, Citizen <laughs> Kane, The Third Man. <laughs> Actually, those were pretty good. <laughs> Who knew? Actually, the critics at the time. Shut up! <laughs> hey, fuck you. Critics suck. <laughs> So, yeah, classic. Steve, classic? Oh, yeah, classic. The definitive astronaut movie. Right. And remember, if astronaut's not your thing, you might not like it, okay? But even if astronauts aren't your thing, you might actually just enjoy it just for the sheer drama of the movie and the characters presented. And and actually, yeah, it might not be your cup of tea for whatever reason, but if you don't know a lot 
about the history, it might even work better for you as drama. Because you like like we mm-hmm. talked about during our review, like if you know that Chuck Yeager is still alive, not a whole lot of suspense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when he when his plane crashes, oh gee, I hope he makes it. You yeah. Know? You know. So if yeah. And now you guys also know how big of monsters we are because we've taken a scene from the movie about two people who are deeply in pain and turned oh, yes. it into a joke between the two of us. <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one, one of whom is an honest-to-God American hero. Who <laughs> and la- weeping openly. Yes. Who later oh, yes. dies. Who later <laughs> dies in the line of duty. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Who almost certainly would have walked on the moon if he had lived. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we made that one of our funny little in-jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, do you have uh-huh. a movie to not recommend? Oh, I do. I do. This um, this not recommendation hurts me a little because I like so many of the people in it. Oh, but you're not I, doing this again, are you? But I must tell you oh. that th- this, I, I, I must tell you in my heart of hearts, I cannot say this is a good movie. And, and this is, it is an astronaut movie. It is not a true-to-life astronaut movie. It's, it's a made-up oh, astronaut God. movie. But the movie I am not recommending came out in the year 2000. It was directed by and starring none other than Mr. Clint Eastwood. Oh, no. It also stars Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, no. <laughs> and James Garner and Donald Sutherland. Oh. And it's it's a little movie called Space Cowboys. <laughs> and unfortunately, it is the opposite of the right stuff in several very important ways. Um, despite the fact that I love all these actors and I love Clint Eastwood as a director and as an actor, um, this is basically the opposite of the right stuff in that where the right stuff was very artful and very sort of restrained and, like you said, didn't have a lot of exposition and didn't really pander to the audience. Uh, Space Cowboys is just total populist pandering garbage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not a good movie. It's the story. Here, here, how's this for high concept? All right. This is the story of a group of retired fighter pilots who are pressed into service by NASA to go repair a malfunctioning Russian satellite because, for reasons, they're the only ones who can do it. (laughs) So all of these 60- and 70-year-old men are sent into space because somebody saw John Glenn go up on the space shuttle in 1998 and said, let's do that as a movie, but let's make it terrible. Let's make them all old. Let's we'll make call it, all it We Still Matter the Movie. Yeah. And, and Clint Eastwood probably wants money to do one of his good films, so let's yeah. get him to direct it, because that's the pattern of Clint's... Uh, and for the last 40 years of Clint Eastwood's career, it's make a terrible movie for lots of money, then go make the movie you want to make. Exactly. Um, so this was his. This was how he got the budget for Million Dollar Baby, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, too. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, I'll do this one, then I'm doing this depressing boxing movie. Okay, whatever, Clint. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. She breaks her to neck at the end and then their coach kills her yeah everybody's gonna cry and they're gonna give me every oscar there is yeah the coach is an atheist and he's like a crisis of faith it's all this thing always calls the father padre like i do in all my movies (laughs) clint just stop describing it i'm getting so i'm not done yet (laughs) and morgan freeman's in it too but he's not he's not an inspiring character he's kind of a broken down retired boxer okay just stop please you got I'll, I'll stop talking when you hand me my paycheck. <laughs> He's the janitor at my gym. Okay, just <laughs> stop it. Anyway, so <laughs> so they go up into space and shenanigans happen. And there's 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 a tragic slash. I guess it's supposed to be inspiring ending where one of them ends up dead on the moon. Uh, 
but it's but it's happy it's a but it's a happy ending because he never got to go to the moon when he was an astronaut. So he See, to, he gets to die there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie at all. And uh. it, it's if you just watch the right stuff and you thought, let me watch another great astronaut movie. Please avoid Space Cowboys. That is my not recommendation. Okay, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year that uh, the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1984, and there's not another, like I said, there's not another astronaut movie. Won't <laughs> be another for one for a really goddamn long time. Yep. So I was kind of spoiled for choice. Should I choose Runaway, the Tom Selleck vehicle in which he <gasps> shoots robots? Ooh. That's a good one. No, it's not. It's, it's a bad a, by, one. <laughs> by which I mean a good bad one. Mm-hmm. With Kirstie Alley and Gene Simmons. I was like, no, I'll save that for later. <sighs> Keep that in your pocket. You're going to need that. Yeah. I was looking yeah. for anything. I was trying to figure out what I was going to not recommend. And then and then I saw it. And I knew I could comfortably not recommend this movie. Oh, boy. The movie I'm going to tell you guys not to see. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I know that there's been a lot of videos and they, where they make fun of this movie, and you might think, well, don't, please don't see this movie. It's about a girl who has a really famous cousin. Oh, oh, hmm, interesting. Who comes here from space. This is the only connective tissue. Ah. And uh, it's called Supergirl. It's fucking Supergirl. Don't go see Supergirl. <laughs> Ah, uh, the uh, the Salkins trying to wring every last drop, <laughs> every drop on drop out of, <laughs> out of their Superman DC. license. Yes. <laughs> Supergirl's got, I think, magic in it, and the lead villainess just wants a man or something. I don't know. And Jimmy Olsen's in it too. It's what happens when old pervy men write a movie where the lead character is is a female a young f- female woman yeah. don't don't see it it's it's awful don't yeah it's not good it's just not good it's, it's not, not good special effects are bad the acting's bad the story's bad the writing's bad editing's bad it's just all bad so don't don't, don't yeah see it's it. It, it's so bad that it, after you watch it you'll you might start to think that maybe you hallucinated the first two superman movies because you're like these people couldn't have made those movies right <laughs> <laughs> there's no way and then superman 3 came out and then you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess they did. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> All right, that's it. Hey, Steve. Yeah. we got to review another movie again. <sighs> we do. We do. And you said and we're I, on a streak. I blew the, I blew the no-hitter, so yeah, you did. Uh, this, is, you blew this it. isn't going to be good, is it? You blew it, Steve. <laughs> it's, it's all my fault. You see, the last four movies that we reviewed were Star Trek II, The Seven Samurai, Die Hard, and King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of good movies. We're yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Way too many in a streak for this show. <laughs> Uh-oh. So uh, there's a reckoning, Steve. There's got to yes. be. There's got to be a reckoning. We've, we've built up enough uh, good movies that we don't have to worry about being pigeonholed as a bad movie podcast now, for a while. I remember I say <laughs> whether the reputation is good or bad. That's true. Right? Notoriously That's true. good or notoriously bad. And we haven't oh. done a notoriously bad one since <sighs> that black hole in my memory that I think we reviewed The Love Guru. I'm not sure. I just remember right. screaming for uh, you were, like a, you, a weekend. You were, <laughs> were hurting so bad we had to go watch some of our favorite films <laughs> just to just to get back to a, a, a good place and yeah, fill my tank back up get me sane <laughs> get me to start wearing clothes out in public again instead of just in an open bathroom screaming at traffic oh shit Say, dad, do you know you this gonna... movie exists do you dad dad come inside 
I'm not done telling the world Come about the me. love guru. <laughs> Come with me. We're going to get you cleaned up. So, yeah, Steve, I think it's time for us to review a notoriously bad film. Oh, boy. Okay. I, 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 okay. Okay. I can handle this. This is going to be fine. Good. You know, you okay. can't. Oh, oh God. That's this not one, what I wanted to hear. This one is going to stab directly in your heart, Steve. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. This one, this one centers around one of your favorite characters. Uh-oh. And mine. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> the movie that we're going to review next, and I'm, I'm actually telling you to watch it before the next review, oh, boy. so that we all can suffer together. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Okay. Is about a billionaire. Okay. And his ward. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, man. As they fight crime together. Oh. In a tiny little town called Gotham City. <laughs> Oh, boy. Against? Oh, ooh, oh, hey, this is, okay, this is it. I don't know how many villains are in this one. Nine, <laughs> ten? <laughs> Against a guy in a giant rubber suit who is supposed to be Bane. Oh, boy. A woman who should know better who's playing Poison <laughs> Ivy. And a former action star who thinks he's funny. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. The movie we're going to review next is the notoriously awful, soundly hated <laughs> Batman and Robin. You know and how to thing, break a streak. The thing that scares me the most, Steve? Yeah? I've never seen it. <gasps> and after all the shit that DC has put out lately, I'm afraid I might actually like it. <laughs> oh. Oh. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil I'm anything for so you. I'm so afraid that I'm going to watch this, laugh myself sick, and recommend the film. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If that happens, I just want you to know. Okay, this is a judgment-free zone. I'm in a bad zone. place. No, this is a judgment-free no. zone. What? It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's not okay. <laughs> I'm I... so scared, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there you go. I hope I, I hope that it's legal for us to do this. We are recommending that uh, that our, <laughs> our listeners watch Batman and Robin. I think that's reckless endangerment. I think yeah. that's what that is. I, well, <laughs> is there such a thing as incitement to misery? Is that is, that, is there a I, I, law against that? I, I think we know that there isn't. No. Okay. Yeah. That otherwise YouTube <laughs> there, wouldn't be on the air. There can't possibly be, right? I mean. <laughs> There's too much. Facebook would have been banned a long yeah. time ago if there was yeah. incitement to misery. Oh, boy. So you yeah. heard it here first. Come share my fear, everybody. <sighs> Batman and Robin. Batman Batman and Robin, starring I don't know and I don't know. Um, <clears throat> starring George Clooney and the guy. The <clears throat> other guy. What's, who was it? It was Chris guy, O'Donnell. Chris, Chris O'Donnell. O'Donnell. And Uma Thurman and Arnold Schwarzenegger and I think that's everybody, right? That's, that's all the everybody. that's all the big ones, yeah. And the dead old man who plays Alfred, <laughs> <laughs> the the animated corpse of Michael Goff. Michael Goff, that's right. Yes. Oh, do I have to do another one of these? Really? <laughs> Why am I the connective tissue all the way back to Tim Burton's Batman? You, Why? If you've recast everyone else, please just let me go. Ah, so that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Late Seating. I have been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And I've been Steve Shives. Go hot dog, go! <laughs> uh, what, uh, sir? Can, I'm sorry. Are you going to order now? <laughs>
Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, just give me the the number two uh, curly fries and so, uh, and I was going to tell you we don't have hot dogs. We just we just have burgers and maybe salads. Which would you like to try a McFlurry? <laughs> no, I was just wa- I I was watching the right stuff on my phone. It was getting to that scene. So what I always scene? have I, this. Oh, the go hot dog go scene. I don't At the know end. what you're talking about. It's the the rockets going up and the other astronaut is watching oh, it. Oh, I don't like the and, space program. Oh, you oh. I think it's a waste of taxpayers' dollars. We should be directing all those funds to the wall. I have to leave. Now, if we could load all of those nasty immigrants into spaceships and launch them into the sun. Which, did you drive to work? Which one of these cars is yours? Just Oh, I can't afford a car. Oh, well, that fits. We got mean and mean <laughs> political. Ah, fuck them. <laughs> Late Seating 7, this is Control. Do you read? Roger that, Control. Listen, Steve, uh, we're going to need you to turn the capsule around and try to maintain a zero angle degree. I messed up my line. Sorry. (laughs) Listen, Steve, we're going to need you to turn the capsule around and try to maintain a zero angle. No, I did it again. Listen, Steve, I need you to send me back to drama school. (laughs) Sorry. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.